powered by the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Red Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 120. Tonight, we welcome back the one and only Nick Perdomo of Perdomo Cigars as our special guest. And as always, Primetime Special Edition is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo, Bono, Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo, Lot 23, Perdomo, Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the new Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of their Carojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of the JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience a unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And I want to mention Drew Estate. You can check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show on Thursday nights. Welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 120. Today is Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. This is Will Cooper. I am uh, on the red stage tonight in the Perdomo Cigar Studios, joined cross-country by my friend and colleague at the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios, Mr. Bear Duplissy. Uh, good evening, Coop. Fantastic uh, to be here. I'm really excited about this show. Um, always, always excited to sit down with this guest. I, I, but I wanted to kick things off here with a question. I think he'll be able to add to this here in a second when we welcome him aboard. But um, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Okay. When you, so when we talk about lighting a cigar, and let's take for the sake of argument, there's a lot of ways to light a cigar, but let's just use butane lighters, torch lighters. Are you a single flame, double flame, triple flame, quadruple flame, or as many fucking flames as you can get on it? What are you? Um, I'm single up to a 56, and then it's multi, multi-jet multi for me. For sure. I mean, So, if so it's if based I'm, on gauge for you. Okay. It's based on gauge. And if, look, if I'm going, you know, one of my Gordos, I'm going with a, a double or triple for sure. Most likely okay. triple. Yeah. So I am. Uh, but I do, I do like the precision of the single flame in a lot of ways which is why, uh, you know, I try to use the single flame. But I find it's impractical for, like, uh, smoking an immenso, which is, like, the night I had Arthur on, and I did have a single flame I was using. So, uh, so it, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned two things in the same breath there, because I think, I think precision is really good about the single flame. Yeah. And, 
uh, interestingly enough, I have I have a couple of lighters here to, to choose from here in a second. That's why I think our guests will provide some really interesting insight. But um, I was told once um, I was in a training session. I won't say for what company, but I was told once that to not use like like told like. Like I'm back in school, don't do this. I was told not to use a single flame on anything they, they used. They said 58 and above. And I kind of just was like, like, really? Like you're reprimanding me for using a single flame for that something that big? Because I, because here's what I find the precision that you're talking about. I think it's actually lends well to a bigger gauge. Not that I smoke a ton of them. It's just, you know, you're gonna 60 to, over. You're going to have to work harder. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I guess I'm a patient man. I don't know. Yeah. Curious. But it'd be interesting to hear the insights of our guests on this. So yeah, I was just, fact, I, in fact, he, this, you know, what's great is he, he actually did a video on this, right? And he actually gave us a little session down in Nicaragua yeah. on this. And you can never get enough of learning. Uh, and this guy, he's yeah. a master educator. Uh, Absolutely. Teed this up perfectly because I know I love yeah. his educational videos. So this and, is perfect. And, and I tell you what, he's a, he's a great friend of the show. Uh, and, he, and what a year this, this guy has had. Less than a few years, actually. He's the one and only Nick Perdomo, Perdomo Cigars. Nick, welcome to Primetime. Thank you, Will. Great to see you, Bear. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. Um, we do appreciate it. We know you've been very busy lately, um, and we don't take this for granted at all. So it is much appreciated. My honor to be here. Hey, listen, I uh, I did some vacation for a couple weeks and uh, got to spend some time with my granddaughter. So I'm fresh, ready to go. Just got back from a, a trip in Texas. We had some phenomenal events. And uh, I'm off next week to the Kansas City area, which I haven't been to in a lot of years. Got some big events uh, next Thursday, and not this coming week, but next Thursday and Friday over at Outlaw Cigar. We're gonna have, we're gonna really kill it out there. And uh, and I got a beautiful cigar dinner in Des Moines, Iowa, at David's Briar Shop, where I think we have almost 200 people signed up. So uh, it's 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 uh, very humbling to see how many people come out and see it. So uh, I'm stoked. That's excellent. Yeah, and it seems like Nick, you're, you know, it's great to see you back on the road. Um, it's, I know it's something you really love to do, and uh, it's great to see you back in full force this year. I know it was a rough couple of years, not, not rough per se for you guys, but, you know, I know you like being with your customers and your retailers. I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. So before we kind of get into things, Nick, um, and we maybe we could dovetail on that discussion a bit. One thing we, I think we do, Nick, um, to start the show is – we have to decide what bear is going to smoke. Now I'm going with the cigar that I think is, is just like a blue chip. It, it's like, I know I'm a, this cigar is consistent. I love this cigar. It's the Perdomo 20th anniversary Maduro Epicure. It's just for me, this cigar is always consistent. I can put, I smoke some now, put some away. Great cigar, but bear is a little indecisive. So okay. he's going to give, he, he's going to give you three options. Unfortunately, we got one of your children. You got to, Probably tell two of them you'll smoke them later, but but bear, go ahead. I I think I've done a grand grand job of deciding. I've just narrowed all my amazing choices down to three. Thank you very much. I don't think it's being at least any five all. with a sign like yeah. Yes. So I've got uh, I've got three uh, three cigars here, Nick, uh, and two that actually have an interesting uh, history. Uh, one, a very long history, actually. So let's start off with the, the newest one that I've got in the lot here. We've got one of the uh, Perdomo um, ESVs, Sun Grown. And, and this is the uh, this is the Imperio size. 
Okay. Uh, the next one is the Perdomo Habano barrel age. Not the double barrel age that I smoked with Arthur the other evening, but this is the original Perdomo Habano. Uh, this is the cigar that I cannot hold without hearing Mike Peacock, our good friend Mike Peacock of Michael Subacco say, it's Perdomo time. Uh, and a little bit of history here. Like, I don't know if you can see this or my audience can see. That is May 2012. That is 10 years ago today. And this is a Perdomo Exhibition. Uh, Excuse me. Oh, that's, that's a nice one. That's, that's a, a nice, nice one. one. I really love those, yeah. I, I, I say that uh, you go with the Perdomo Habano bourbon barrel age that you're smoking there that Mike Peacock smokes every day. And I tell you what I'm going to smoke today. Uh, the cigar that I'm smoking is right here in the camera. And this is probably my new favorite. I hate to say that because it's kind of like Coop said, I love them all. But this is the new Perdomo 10th anniversary sun grown with the red label that we came out with last year. And I'm absolutely in love with that cigar. And uh, if you guys haven't tried the new Perdomo 10th anniversary sun grown, you got to try it. It's phenomenal. You, you know, with all the success of the Maduro, which, Nick, you probably had the best offseason or best postseason of last year, last two years, I would say. The Sun Grown is, is – is, I was talking to Eric Gutmerson about this. That Sun Grown should not be overlooked. That's a tremendous cigar as well. Yeah, that's my – that's one of my babies. Those two were, were definitely, you know, winners for us. Uh, the Maduro was just – we're very humbled. I mean, it, it was it was voted best cigar of the year and not only one, two, but three periodicals. And what I was most proud about it, Baron Coop, is that it was voted on by the cigar smoker, not three guys who taste hints of, you know, pine bark and balls of wood and glass and, you know, membranes or all this other stuff that I've never tasted in the cigar with all the decades that I've, I've been smoking and been in the cigar industry. So to me, the most the most special thing is, is when the consumer actually votes for it. So uh, thank you all for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's done phenomenal. And, and what you have there, that's old faithful there, the Perdomo 20th anniversary Maduro. Yeah. I mean, I've been smoking these. I know when you, when I went to the event, I, I was out and I went and bought a box of these. I'm this, I'm now like two boxes since then of these. And this is a cigar that is, I don't have a rotation per se, but this is a cigar I always have in my humidor. Uh, because it, like it's old faithful, it just delivers every time. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it really is. Um, I can't believe it's ten years since that cigar came out, which is mind blowing to me. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Years. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. It is definitely. Um, you know, Barry, you mentioned the um, the the uh, Perdomo Bono, right? When you, yeah, one, and this that, this is the one that Nick actually handed me. At the Great Smoke. Yeah. So that was Nick, the other part of the history of it. Yeah, and, and I want to mention that, Nick. Um, we did talk to Arthur about this, but I wanted to kind of also get your thoughts. So Bear and I, we, you know, we go to these, like, events, right? And we have media hats on. So, so what we do is after the event, we kind of go back, and we literally have a debrief, and we kind of break it down, like, who did what, and kind of how – just kind of assess it, you know, from our point of view. And one of the things that was, like – that just kind of Bear and I immediately connected on, and we both made this observation is, hey, did you see the cigar that Perdomo handed out at the Great Smoke? 
And we thought, and we're not just trying to stroke you because you're on, but because we, we, we said this, we thought that was like the most brilliant cigar that anyone handed out. We thought that was like the perfect cigar to hand out at an event like that. And it almost seemed like you guys put a lot of thought into that in terms of what, because you, you have a ton of children of these cigars, right? They're all great. But that one I just thought was a great cigar, whether it's an entry gateway cigar or someone who, you know, maybe wants to rediscover or Perdomo they haven't spoke about. We just thought it was, it was brilliant. We just wanted to point, point that out to you. Thanks. You know, anytime we do the, the great smoke here with Abe in Florida, or we do, you know, cigars international, you know, any, any of the, any of the big venues that we do, we always try to give out the very best in a big size. Cause I, I talk to people all the time, even with the cigars we give, we always have an instructional card that talks about the blends, the nuances, yeah. the flavors, the cigars. I think people spend a lot of money to come to these events and you should give me your best. I mean, I've actually seen uh, events where people are taking tuck cutters and cutting the cigars in half to, to try to save money. And, and listen, your customers are everything. Yeah. Um, I know them very well from the time I started out in my garage and I want to give them the best I can because they spent a lot of money and I, I respect the, yep. their hard earned money and what they spend on, to be honest with you too. Yeah. And you know, well, the, go ahead. Dan. And, oh, I was going to say, and that was, that was the thing too. You mentioned the instruction card deck too, which was fantastic, but you also gave me a bag. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I know that's, that seems like I had a bag, obviously everyone, all the guests of the great smoke, I got get a bag. So it's like, what's so great about, you know, Nick handing you a plastic bag with his cigar. And I'm like, well, you know, as we were going around, instead of just chucking more cigars into my bag, I had a, you know, I had a compartment to not only preserve the cigar that you handed me, but had a consideration for everyone else who brought cigars to go ahead and place in that as well. And so it was just a considerate move all around. I just thought it was like he, like Koo mentioned, like it was, it's the details. And we t we've talked about this before in several interviews, like you're just, Everything is everything is very deliberate. Everything is very considerate yeah. of the consumer all the all the way through. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned well, thanks the card. very much, guys. Yeah, Nick, you mentioned the card, like, and that card is like, you know, it's a little thing, right? But think about it. People go, they get these cigars, and look, they're not like Bear and I, where they're geeking out over this stuff. They may be overwhelmed, but you know what? They got that little card that gives them just enough information there. Uh, where they can really learn about what they're smoking. And it, and it ties back into the education piece that I think uh, Perdomo has done as well as anybody, if not the best out there. Thank you. I just think it's important for guys to know what they're smoking because they might not be able to smoke it right then and there, but when they're home and they're relaxed and drinking a nice cocktail, they can look at the cigar and actually see what we wanted that cigar to be when we blended it. And I think it's important for them to get as much information as possible on the cigar. So. Thanks for noticing that. It is the attention to detail. And it, a lot of it comes down from your guest of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Arthur Kemper, our vice president, who's extremely detail orientated and uh, really wants our consumers to get the very best in each and everything. You, you look at even our 12 year double age vintage, you can look at the band. It even has the tasting notes of what we blended every cigar, regardless of the wrapper, because I want you, when you look at the band that you get to see what you're smoking. So that was another fine touch, and I'm proud of our guys. They've done a, a, a really a great job in trying to form the customer. And our new YouTube channel and our website has been very pro trying to get as much info out to the smoker, whether it's how to light and cut a cigar, how not to get sick smoking a cigar, and so on and so on. 
And we go through the nuts and bolts being a Berkeley integrated company where we show you from seed to the plants, to germination, to, to everything from genetics. And I think it's important. You got to see that when you came on the tour coop and uh, yeah. a lot of the people out there have been able to, to come. I see my friends, the Speranza is out there. I'm trying to, trying to look down at my computer and, and acknowledge everybody the best I can Chuck out there. There's there a lot, a lot of friends out there listening. And uh, thank you for, for all you guys listening up here today too. That's important to, to all of us. Yeah. And if you got questions for Nick, I know Nick, you said you wanted to take some questions. So ask sure. some questions in the chat. We'll try to get to them periodically uh, throughout the show. Uh, it may not be possible because all, but we'll certainly work those in as well. You know what I did last night, Coop? I uh, I got the book Tobacco for Dummies, and I studied it all last night. So I'm 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 raring to go to answer some questions today. Too. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is a big fan of that book, by the way. She actually picked that book up once <laughs> in one of the few times she was in a cigar store, and was like, "Wow, she like she actually liked that book." So. Uh, I, I won't say anything uh, negative on that <laughs> from my point of view. Uh, all right. Uh, so, no, all, all good there. So, Nick, you know, um, let's kind of catch up on a few things with Perdomo. And, you know, you mentioned the vertically integrated piece. And, uh, you know, I, I'll just kind of go around the horn and start off with, with things down at the farm right now. That's kind of the, uh, you know, that's kind of the uh, whole lifeblood down there of, of obviously the tobacco you do. How are things going at the farm? Anything with the crops? You know, how is this had the season go, growing season go for you? Things like that. We've had a lot of trials and tribulations this growing season. We had uh, <clears throat> real heavy rains in the beginning, um, which caused us to, to slow down a little bit in the beginning, to, especially in the Esteli Valley where the grounds are so heavy and you don't have very good drainage. Um, we have to be careful that we had a huge rainstorm two nights ago. Um, we were luckily we were picking the fifth and sixth primings, which are the last pickings, but our guys did a great job. We basically worked three 24 hour shifts, not only for drainage runoff in the forest, but also to finally pick the last two sets of leaves. And you've been on that farm. It's, you know, 580 yeah. acres. So yeah. just those two sets of leaves, you know, there's about, 37 million plants on that particular plot that we were, that we were finishing off, you know, and you multiply that by four, it's a lot of leaves that we had to pick. And our guys did a great job. And we finally cleaned up that lot, which was named after my daughter, Natalie. We have a lot of tobacco in the ground up in the Jalapa Valley. We're, we're growing a little longer this year and uh, we're trying to make up for the times that we had all the rain in, in the month of February. So we had to slow down and we had to extend it because we grow so much tobacco. And this is probably the biggest crop we've ever grown. But overall, we're very happy. Our guys have done a, a, a great job, but we've had to really work harder and harder and harder. Uh, we've had to add more people and so on. And um, we've had trouble, too, in Nicaragua with, with the, the immigration issue, with this administration allowing everybody to come in the country illegally it's it's caused a lot of problems um there's an article in the nicaragua newspaper where they think imports could be down for lack of work workers um that's a sad story um we've been lucky we've been able to keep most of our workers but uh it's been very hard um it's hard to see out in the streets and see containers with people loaded in like packed too and it's very sad to see that and um I think it's going to hurt the industry overall. We hope that we can start securing our borders and, and keeping the workforces in their country. 
yeah. making money because the cigar guys really do very, very well. Um, you know, I always tell people a, a cigar maker in Nicaragua makes pretty much what a surgeon makes, you know what I mean? And it's because of you guys, the demand of the cigars, especially the demand of Nicaraguan cigars. So we hope that that turns around, but we've been working extremely hard on that. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I mean, it sounds like that you've done a very good job at, as far as retention with your with your force, um, which is that's got to be a big plus in this climate right now. So that's certainly going on. Yeah, we've we've we like I said, we've added several hundreds of people. You know, we opened up another. We've opened up a training facility just south of of, of Esteli. We're we're very content. We've added a lot of people. We've that town had a high unemployment rate. I think we gobbled up a lot of it and provided a lot of jobs there. We've, we've had that open for about 14 months. Nelson Cuba has been very instrumental. The head of our operations, making sure that gets done. And all our people in Nicaragua are working very diligently to expand our production. And what we're really trying to do is build stocks of cigars, finish cigars so we can continue them in aging because of the amount of demand that we've had in the last three years, to be quite honest with you, Cooper. Yeah. So, Nick, to go back to workforce for just a second. Uh, yes. Um, the, you know, for my day job, I, I speak with small business owners on a daily basis. And and one of the biggest things that I've been hearing about lately, the biggest challenges is is labor. Right. Uh, we we kind of just touched on it. You know, if you could for a, for tutorial sake for the moment, you know, you've owned a business for 30 years now and uh, even before that. But, you know, what what advice would you give to business owners about being able to retain good employees so that when waves like this happen, because, you know, the economies are ups and downs and for various reasons over these years, but you've managed to keep a great workforce. Like what advice would you pass on to any business owner? Well, times are tough right now because it's very hard to find anybody to work right now because I talk to new businesses right now and the biggest biggest adversarial effect they have is that they can't get people to, to come to work. And uh, I've been lucky. I think, I think it's the way you treat people. Um, I respect everybody from the guy that cleans the floor to my general manager, anybody in the business will tell you that. Um, just recently I was down in Nicaragua and there were visitors and I didn't know they were there, but I was helping the guy pick up some paper off the ground. And the guy said, I can't believe you do that. I said, why wouldn't I do that? I think it's almost like a Disney employee where, they used to gauge and they'd throw a piece of trash on the ground and see if you would pick it up when you walk. Well, it's, it's, it's my facility. I want it to be as clean as possible. And those guys are working hard. I put my pants on like everybody else. So I help. Um, and we all do, we all, we all pull our weight, but you know, I've been blessed, you know, my, the average worker has been with me almost 20 and a half years, 20 point, you know, 20 years in about seven months to be totally accurate. So I have an incredible workforce. And I think when you treat people with respect, and you pay them well, um, they give you 100%, and I try to give them 100% back, and all our management team does the same thing. So I've been blessed with a lot of loyalty with our workforce. I think that's why our quality is so top-notch, because you have the same people doing everything time and time again. Practice makes permanent, and if it's permanently done well, it, 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 it comes to perfection. And we have a, we have a saying that, you know, uh, excellence is, is always – what we want every day or perfection is the golden excellence is, is merely tolerated. And um, that's what we try to do because look, I'm very cognizant of how much money people pay for a Perdomo cigar, whether it's a fresco or 
or that you see on the Silvio, it's their hard-earned money, and I want them to get every penny of their hard-earned money, hence why we draw a test every cigar, and people look and go, man, I can't believe you do it. Even a lot of my competitors that come visit the factory that are friends say, isn't that a little overkill? I say no. And That blew my mind the last time we talked. I was like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's essential. We actually check the cigars by 18 different specialists before they go into the boxes, and even the people – that finished, we have four sorters at Coopstein. They actually take every cigar out of the box once it's box banned in cellophane to make sure the barcodes are perfectly placed, the face of the cigar is perfectly placed. And we do that because the consumers spend a lot of money on the cigars and the retailers spend a lot of time and effort promoting our cigars all around the world. And what we have to do is we have to match that and surpass it in reality to make sure that the cigars are, are pristine and perfect. You know, some people will say, I got this cigar, it cracked. It certainly didn't leave the factory that way. A lot of times you've seen it where people will grab a cigar from the shelf. It'll drop on the ground. They'll put it back in the box. The poor guy next next time comes around, grabs the cigar, doesn't really look, smokes the cigar, and it cracks. And even with that, we try to we try to resolve every problem, but I want to, I want the consumers to be rest assured that that that's that didn't leave the factory that way. A lot of it's handling. You know, you see people grab the cigars and squeeze them, stick them up their noses. It causes damage on the cigar. Um, lately, one of the things I want to talk to you guys about: if you if you peel the wrapper off any Perdomo cigar, you'll see a line right about here where my where my finger is. And when they peel it off, they'll go, what's that line? And they're different colors. It's basically an alcohol-based pen, and every single operator in draw testing has one. So when he finishes his press molds, regardless of how many cigars are in a press mold, he runs a line across them right up here to the top. And the reason he does that is to guarantee when the next supervisor checks, he knows that cigar has been draw tested. That's a draw testing line. <laughs> We're probably the only ones that do it, but I think it's important. So that way, the next supervisor who checks knows already by just eye of sight that that cigar has been draw tested. So it's it's all attention to detail. It's not just the packaging. There's a tremendous amount of attention to detail in the manufacturing, the cigar, the blending of the cigar, and so on and so on. And uh, I think it's just extremely important as our whole team does. And, and Nick, it's, you know, the amazing thing about that is the quality thing we when you go down factory to you see it, but the scale of what you do it at is that's what really will blow someone's mind because this your factory is a big factory it's a big operation mm-hmm. and to see how you have that down to a science it is it's incredible i mean and, and you, you'll see nothing like that on, on on any other factory in my opinion at that size thanks Coop. and you know the more people you have the harder it is you know it's a big it's a big wheel you know what i mean and you got to turn it in the right direction um, my, my father-in-law used to always say bigger children, bigger problems. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing in, in a cigar manufacturing facility. You know, when you have 30 people making cigars, that's real simple. But when you have three or 400 cigar rollers making cigars and to make it with precision, um, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm blessed. And I think a lot of it has to do with the longevity. I even have second and third generation people working for the company. Um, I was never one who liked to train. I've changed my mindset on that, especially in the last 15 months that we've had to struggle with illegal immigration. And I decided when that happened, we were going to start training people. So if we lost people, we could always replace people. And our training school is extremely stringent. Um, The attrition rate's about 83%. So most people don't make it, unfortunately. But 
<clears throat> that's the way it's got to be for our consumers to receive the very best. And you got to remember, these bands have my last name on them. And uh, that's very special to me. Someone asked me about my grandfather and father last night. And I always, I always think about them when we make cigars. And um, I think a lot of our workers do because many of them knew my late father that they had been with the company since the time he's been there. So uh, it's important. I think all you guys deserve the best. And when you buy a Perdomo cigar, honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, we really try to produce the very best. Nick, do you prefer when you bring a worker in? I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, go ahead. Okay. When you bring a worker in, do you prefer to like have them with no experience where you can train them the Perdomo way? Or do you want to try to get the best talent and still try to train them the Perdomo way? Because I've heard different cigar makers have different philosophies on that. I think a little bit of both. Sometimes you bring in an experienced cigar maker and he's been taught by what I call fast production facilities to make as many cigars as possible. And he's not used to working in a facility where our every cigar that he makes is going to be hand-checked 18 different times. And they get scared. We don't slow the production down by any means. As a matter of fact, when we draw test the cigars, we have dollies even with dolly operators bringing their press molds so we don't we don't slow them down so they can keep their rhythm. But a lot of them use an accordion method or they use a booking method when they, and we don't do that. And you can't work like that with us. So a lot of them fail very quickly. I don't care if they've been making cigars for 20 years. You know, I said earlier that practice makes permanent. If you have a bad golf swing and you keep practicing, you still got a bad golf swing. Yeah. You got to make sure that you perfect the swing yeah. before you do it because practice doesn't make per uh, perfect. It makes permanent. I keep telling people and people ask me what the hell that means. Well, that's what that means. If you learn something and you learn it wrong and you just keep doing it wrong, you know what happens? You keep doing it wrong. wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. So a lot of times I like new people um, because I can teach them and they, a lot of them come with bad habits when they, when they come from other facilities, we're very stringent. People know in Nicaragua, we're not the easiest to work for, but we're one of the best to work for. We provide great wages. We provide health insurance. We have, we have a medical team on board in case any of our workers are sick um, or hurt. Um, we're, we're very consistent with our workforce. Hence why we've had a workforce that's been with the company for so many years. And I'll tell you, I, I'm proud of that too. And I think, I think all our guys, I think Arthur's proud of it. Nelson's proud of it. My son, Nicholas is proud of it. Ralph Valdez, Chris Harper, I can go on and on with the great workforce they have that we have and the passion that they have for, for the company. You know what I mean? I've always said our workers are like extended members of our family because you love them after a while. You know, when you have an employee has been with you for 25 years or 20 years or whatever it be in, Sorry about the car across. I'm up in a balcony in my apartment, and, and there's Collins Avenue below me, so you get cars coming around. So sorry about that noise. No but, um, you know, and it's a guy who really likes to hear his engine rev. But, um, you know, it, it's really it's really, um, it's really, nice that, that you have people that love love this company as though they're their own. It's their own company. And uh, you got to be proud of that because wherever I worked at, I always ran, I always worked for that company like it was my own. And I watched, I watched that company like it was my own. And it's sad that we've, we've lost that today, especially with some of the youth today. Um, but you know, hopefully it turns back around, but we're very happy where we are, but we're working our butts off right now. That's a fact. I bet. Some of the full, some of the things that you're talking about, the philosophies of Perdomo cigars, Nick, we talked about with Arthur just a couple of weeks ago. And it was, it was something that I noticed as he was talking and it, he was talking as if, 
you know, if a casual observer was listening to him, it was, he was talking as if it was his name on the label and he took ownership of that. And he was something that, that he talked about. He's like, you should absolutely take ownership of it, um, of everything that you do. Kind of like you were talking about picking up the piece of trash. You know, he, I know he would do the same. Ralph would do the same. Your son would do the same because uh, you, you empower your people to take ownership of, of the, the tasks that they're doing, whether they're, whether it's Arthur's job or whether it's, it's, it's someone down in the factory. So I, I thought that that was really interesting. Um, coincidentally enough, I had a note, I had a, a story about the labels that we talked about how precise you are and how everything is checked and rechecked and rechecked. I remember when I first started working for Mike Peacock and Tracy Spence, our, our good friend, uh, was training me and everything. And I was, I pulled down a box of Perdomo cigars and I was checking and he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, you always told me to check to make sure that, that labels are on UPC codes and stuff. And he's like, oh, that's Perdomo. You don't have to worry about that. And it was, <laughs> it was funny because years later, um, I was helping train one, a new employee. And I, I found myself saying the exact same thing to somebody. And that your, uh, your point about uh, the checking and rechecking rekindled that memory. And I mean, so I thought that was funny. But we had a really cool question in the chat. And it was something I was going to ask you tonight. You already mentioned Fink and Natalie, which you always talk with such reverence about, named after your daughter. Um, and the question was, when uh, when is Stella going to get her uh, a field named after <laughs> her? Um, and along with that question, is there a reason that it's named after a female? Is it is it is that tradition, or or was it you just wanted to honor your daughter? It's tradition in our family. My wife, uh, we have a we have a farm in the Jalapa Valley named after Janine. It's a beautiful farm that we have. It's about two and a half hours north of the facility, and uh, we're producing a lot of binder and wrapper tobacco out of that farm. Um, maybe I should give that some more credibility, too. That's that's also a phenomenal farm. But I will promise you that the next farm that, that we make, because we actually make our farms, we don't buy existing. We, we really like fresh lands or virgin lands. Uh, but it'll definitely be Stella. And Stella's got me wrapped around her finger. I got to be honest with you. I saw, you know. I saw a question from Jesus. He said, what's your favorite cocktail cigar pairing? Um, I would say, Jesus, it's, um, I'm, I'm a single malt scotch guy. I like good sipping tequilas. Also, I like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get into bourbon. I do a lot of business with the bourbon companies. I, you know, I, I have over you know, close to a thousand bourbon barrels in our facilities in Nicaragua. And we're, we're big and, and we know our consumers are big into bourbon. So a lot of times in our tasting panel, when we come up with a blend, we try to pair things that really work well with uh, big red cabs and, and wine, uh, really dark, you know, uh, rich sipping tequilas. Like I said earlier, single malt scotches and of course bourbon. So I would say those are those are some that I, I really enjoy um, when I'm pairing a cigar. And if I'm drinking something non-alcoholic, I like a nice, nice coffee. Uh, with my cigar. So I hope that answers Jesus's question. Coffee with cream. I like, a, I like a little cream in my coffee. Um, coffee. I like Nicaraguan coffee very much because it has a very low acidity rate. And I don't like very bitter things when I smoke a cigar. One of the things that we pride ourselves is to try to make the smoothest, richest cigar possible and i think that's what nicaraguan tobacco provides but i also think that's what nicaraguan coffee good nicaraguan coffee provides 
um, nice richness, but very low acidity and smoothness. And I think that pairs well with the Perdomo cigar also. Uh, I totally agree. I totally agree on that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a bit of a coffee nerd, too. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely spot on with Nicaraguan coffee. I, I love it as well. And I, for the exact reason that you mentioned. Yeah, um, was, low acidity rate. I totally agree on that too. And if, like I said, you're going back to the tours. If there's incentive to get up early and leave early, get up an hour early and you get your cigar in with some of that coffee at the hotel. I mean, you're you're set, man. It's 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 beautiful. So, My yeah. friend Lance Scott asked, "When will I come to the Pacific Northwest and live in Oregon? When the state of Oregon allows us to come in and." And I know there's some great people in Oregon, but it's it's tough to get in there and 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 do business. But I, I love the great Northwest. I, I hope to get up there soon, Lance. Yep. And Nick, there was a question from our friend Gracie Rodriguez, and it kind of ties into what we were just talked about. How many how many workers do you have in the company total? In Central America, in total between the United States and Nicaragua, we have a little over five thousand one hundred workers. And awesome. um, yeah, yeah, not bad for a kid who started out of a garage, but you know, I've always said it and I say it on every show, the greatest asset to Perdomo cigars is not the guy you're looking here. It's guys like Arthur Kemper and Nelson Cuban, Ralph Valdez and Chris Harper. I could say my, I could say them all. I, I have a, a phenomenal workforce. I have a phenomenal sales force and I'm proud of each and every one of them. The guys in the office in Miami, Kenny Kerr from, Juan Lorenzo and our, our IT guy who, when you guys come on factory tours, will spend 24 hours making sure that everybody's flights are on and everybody's going to get to Nicaragua. We just have a, a phenomenal team, whether it be here in Miami, our sales force in America, our distribution centers around the world and our great workforce in Nicaragua. I'm a very blessed man uh, with, with the workforce we have and uh, we're getting we're starting, you know, we've, we've had, you know, we've had close to 700 people retire from the company and we've replaced them with great people. And, uh, we keep, we keep getting better and better. And, um, that's an attribute to our great workforce. I certainly am not going to take credit for that. No, I was a- going to shortchange it, Nick. I was about to answer Gracie's question. And I thought last time we talked, I thought you said around 4,000. I'm glad I let you answer that question. 5,100, 4,000 is incredible, but 5,100. What a, yep. yep. What an accomplishment. I, I, I was proud when we had 10, to be honest with you. you know, it, it, I just don't, I used to know everybody's names. I'm really good with names and I try to know everybody's names, but I would venture to say, I probably know, I would say 85% of our workforce by their first name. They call me the rain man when it comes to the names, but sometimes you get new employees and you don't know their names, but I'll ask them and I jot them down and I try to remember their names because I think it's important that you 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 call their names. You know what I mean? Instead of saying, hey, bud, or hey, dude, it's nice to say, hey, Joe, and know who you're talking to, you know? Very, yeah. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing to, to have. I mean, that's a lot of names. <laughs> that's that's, that's a lot of names. Rain Man. You're in Rain Man territory for sure with that. <laughs> oh, but I've seen it. Like, again, Gracie. you know. Yeah, again, I've seen it in the factory. Like, I've seen the camaraderie. I've seen the interaction you had with people in there on the tour. And there's a lot of people. It, 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 you see, there's no doubt. I don't doubt it for a second, Nick, because there was a lot of people we encountered on that tour, too, as uh, we went through that. People will see me and I'll high five guys on the rolling room or in fermentation and they'll go, Do you know that? I'm like, Yeah. He's been with me for 25 years. He's been with me for 23 years. You know these guys and they, they become family members. We had an employee who, um, was hit in the head 
unfortunately got some stitches. I, I called him and you know what? He wasn't even surprised. I called him. Um, I said, Hey, it's Nick. Hey, how you doing? I said, I just want to see how you, you're doing. Okay. And Nelson said, he doesn't even seem surprised that you, you, you talked to him. I said, yeah, I, I think a lot of the guys are used to it. I, I talked to most of them. Everybody calls me Nick. I don't want them to call me Mr. Perdomo, Don Nick or any of that bull crap that other people need to be doing. My name's Nick. My dad was Mr. Perdomo. You know, I always tell everybody that. That's beautiful. Nick, I remember um, when, uh, right before the show started with Arthur Coop, yeah. I was like, I was like, Oh, Mr. Kemper, it's really nice to have you on the show. And, I said it a couple of times and he's like, can you do me a favor and not call me Mr. Kemper? I said, now I can. <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, nah. Arthur, Ar- Ar- Arthur's is knock around as they get too. He's, he's very hyper-focused and a lot of people take that necessarily the wrong way. He's a very nice man. He's a great family man, a great father and husband. Um, but you know, when he's at work, he's extremely focused and he's got a lot of stuff to do. So a lot of people mistaken his seriousness um, it's just that he's focused in his job and he doesn't want to make any mistakes and you got to respect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and he, you know, he has, like I said, without a doubt, I mean, he, it, it's no doubt he knows all the aspects of your business. And I think that's very important to have someone like that. Uh, that's extremely valuable. It is. I, I just, I just saw somebody say practice makes permanent land. Scott, um, can I instill that factory in my employees? You can, you just have to work hard at it and you have to, you have to walk the walk too, Lance. And I'm sure you do. It, it's not easy, especially in these days. Um, it's tough. You know, I live, I live in an apartment. It's hard to get workers and, you know, it's hard to get valet guys. They leave for 10 cents an hour. It's, it's a weird world. You know, there's loyalty goes both ways. It goes from the employer to the worker, but the worker should be loyal to the employer, especially these goods. So it, it's a different time. I think if I had to do it, Today, it'd probably be a lot tougher. Um, but, yeah, it was tough even when, when I got in the industry. You know, the industry wasn't doing extremely well. It certainly didn't have the imports it has today. But you worked hard at it, and it was good. My family supported me, and uh, that was very helpful, too. And But you have to be, uh, you know, and Lance knows, I'm sure he'd be, you know, you have to, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I love it. I'm very passionate about it. Um, even at my age, I still travel consistently to do events and to, to see cigar stores and my salesman, Pat Jones, who's listening up in Dallas said, boy, you, you really like it, boss. And I said, of course, Pat, I, I love it. And I, I love working with guys like him. You know, he's all fired up. I don't know if you go on Facebook and you see Perdomo, Pat and his, you know, his tenacity and him being so fired up, it fires me up when I'm on the road too. And when you, when you talk to these guys and they love the product, it, it, it enthuses you too. And it keeps you running really strong too. So I got to thank him and, and all the sales guys I see Rod Madron on here. And he's also a, a great guy. And then you look at guys like Jeff Todd, who's on this show and, and seeing how, you know, when he was working up, I mean, this guy drove two hours from Maryland up to North Philadelphia to work at a cigar store and to see his fire and pushing our products and, and being part of the Prudhomme army. I mean, God, that doesn't make you, yeah. Fired up or happy. Nothing will. It's, you know, nobody comes to me and says, I'm getting a bad divorce and getting screwed. I need a box of cigars today. You're bad. Everybody's happy to see you. It's a blessing. You know I mean? Really? When you think about it. It's, it's so true. You so, know, Nick, Nick, nothing, Nick go ahead there. 
I was just well, I was going to segue into that next question because I think you you, you, okay, you talk you, about you, all, yeah yeah, yeah right, you, you talk about all these it. yeah you talk about all these relationships that you've built with your your workforce and then you've mentioned even a couple of people outside of it you know your the partners like Jeff and and, and so on and we mentioned Mike Peacock earlier as well um, but there's also people in this industry you know we talked about this last time we had John and uh, where you know a little little known fact is, is how the how you and your family uh, help Jonathan Drew get started and uh, and other folks you've built and you know there's a lot of people in this industry that are considered mainstays icons legends however you want that wouldn't be here frankly if it weren't for you so i think there's a lot of well well deserved and well earned respect uh, for you and, and in fact you had a recent visit from one of the so-called you know new kids on the block even though it seems like he's been around for a while and that was that was nick of foundation cigars he came in another nick he came and visited you as well and tell us a little bit about that visit and what it was like to to, to, to talk with him it was great. He's a super nice guy. I consider him a friend. I just talked to him today. Uh, he was heading down to Nicaragua and uh, came down to the facility, did a whole tour. And it's nice showing the young young guys this. I was one of them. And listen, we all learn. I'm a much older guy than these guys, but I learn every day, too. If you're not learning every day, why are you living? You know what I mean? So um, I learn every day. Uh, you know, I, I know quite a bit about cigar making and everything else, but I'm still always looking to be better. And if you're not looking to be better, you're not going to stay sharp and at the top of your game. But uh, Nick came down, uh, went to the facility. We, we ran him all through the facility and I was showing him little touches on what I think he could do. And um, he was very appreciative. Uh, we had a young man named Ian from Dapper Cigars who came down and uh, I invited him to the facility. And, you know, Great guy. I'm Great different. Guy. Yeah, he is. He is. And he was so nice and so thankful. He wrote me this beautiful handwritten letter and sent me two bottles of great wine. And I called him up and I said, man, that wasn't necessary. That's my passion to show you. I wish when I was young, guys would have helped me. I was blessed that I had my, my dad, but guys kicked sand in my face like Charles Atlas when I got into business. Nobody wanted to help me. And that's okay. I, I was lucky enough to have my father, but I said, I'm never going to do that. So uh, when I see young guys in the industry, I really try to help them. And my dad helped Jonathan, and he he was extremely nice and very appreciative of it. I mean, there's a mural in, in the Drew factory of my dad. <clears throat> and my dad always tried to help the young people, and I, I think it's extremely important. And, uh, you know, he won a cigar trophy about four years ago in Vienna, and basically the whole speech was about my father and how much he helped him and how appreciative he was of our family in helping him in the cigar industry. And um, it was extremely touching to say the least. That is, it, and it's a great thing to see too. I mean, it really, well, it really is. And, and another story to share too, Nick, you know, last uh, PCA trade show, we had, uh, we had visited your booth already. And then at the end of one of the days we, we had wrapped, we were wrapping up and we were actually at the Toscano booth with Michael Capolini. And apparently you guys had had a really great conversation. He talked about how much, you and your family meant to him and, and his, his journey as well. And there you were uh, with, with your son, Nicholas, and uh, you'd give, uh, gifted him a beautiful box of uh, Perdomo cigars uh, just as a gesture. I mean, I, that, yeah, um, I have the privilege of knowing you, Nick. And I mean, like I said, that's, that, that that's typical of you, but you know, again, just for those who don't, that that's, it's just the way you are. 
Yeah. Well, listen, I, uh, I have a lot of respect for a lot of people in this industry. You know, uh, someone just saw Facebook and me and Carlos Fuente hugging and we're friends. I mean, I'm friends with Adele Fernandez. Um, there's a lot of great people in the cigar industry, uh, Ernie Carrillo, and uh, we're competitors, but I don't see why you have to be at odds or at war with people. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten softer. I'm still very hyper-focused in what I do. And I don't like anybody, you know, getting in the way. And, and I really care. I, I just think about the consumer all the time. And I think about the retailer and how hard he has it. And um, I'm blessed that, that I've, I've, I've made some really good friends in, in the industry. And uh, I've helped a lot of people out. I think God blesses you <clears throat> for doing that. <clears throat> I have a lot of faith. And uh, I think it's it's better to be a good person than be a rotten person. And we got a couple rotten persons of people in the cigar industry too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one in your state, and uh, but but for the most part, most <laughs> of the guys are really good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we uh, so. we and we have it in the media too. So don't. <laughs> so sure. But we've also had sure. young guys in the media. Like we've tried. Nick, I had a very similar experience in the media. Uh, there were guys who wouldn't help me out early on. So I've tried to help out some of the newer guys, and we've ended up becoming yeah. yeah we know we're competitors, we're friends too. So I'm a product yeah. of that. Yeah, I'm I'm a product uh, of that generosity. I appreciate so. it. absolutely. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. Um. So yeah, I I thought like I share it with Bear, and it was like I thought it was cool when you came by the Toscano booth. I I just never would have thought Nick Nick Perdomo and a and a Toscano cigar, but it was like yeah, you smoke <laughs> right. I I do periodically. Um. Yeah. The, the the president of the company. Is uh, St Stefano Mariotti? Uh, Stefano Mariotti is a very good friend of mine. Uh, when I was in Rome, I was uh, blessed enough to have dinner with with his wife and, and children, and he had asked me a, a favor, and I said, "Sure, Stefano, what can I do for you?" He said, "I really like the way you manage your people, and my son is in the university here in Rome. He's about to finish. I would love to have him intern." <clears throat> with your company. And, uh, I said, sure. And I said, don't worry about him. I'm a father. He'll be, he'll get his three meals a day, maybe more. Um, uh, mama Perdomo, my wife will make sure he's okay. And, uh, and my, my son Nicholas took a very, very big liking to Gianmarco Mariotti and they end up becoming great friends. Now he's a hockey fan. I was just in Rome. He said, I stood up to two o'clock and I, I started one 30 in the morning watching the Panthers play. Cause we have season tickets and my son would and Juan Lorenzo would take him to the hockey games. And, you know, he'd come over to my place and we'd have meals and, and Stefano was, was just so happy because, you know, they felt good. You know, their son is, you know, 8,000 miles away and he's in good hands. And Arthur Kemper did a phenomenal job teaching him. Nicholas did a phenomenal job teaching and Ralph and, and so on. But he really, he really got to work um, underneath um, Arthur and uh, you're going to learn with Arthur by hook or crook. I bet. I bet. I bet. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I bet for sure. That's, that was great to see. Yeah. That, that's a promise. <laughs> Nick, we talked about, you know, the people and everything going on at the factory, the farms and the your, your team. The last, I want to say, and I kind of said this, I want to say the last three years, there has been almost just gone to the next level here. Um, I mean, I mean, I just, it's incredible. Um, and you know, we talked about some of the accolades you have had, um, but in general, there just is this Perdomo machine that's been going. What do you attribute the success for these last three years? Because I don't want to say it was all because 
people were home with the pandemic. I, I don't really necessarily believe that, because I think you would have had it anyway. So what, what was the secret sauce that did it for you these last three years? Secret sauce for us is we never stopped working. Um, my factory's antiseptic. You've seen it. I mean, we yeah. literally mop and clean nonstop. Um, we protected our workers during, during COVID. Um, they wanted to work. And uh, we wanted to give them to work. If we would have saw something happening, we did. We actually, out of all these thousands of workers, we only had three people even get COVID. And they all bounced back five days later. And I think a lot of the people there built immunities. I think there was a, they, it was great that that happened. And really, the country didn't have many problems with COVID during the time. And uh, we never stopped working. Um, and our workers were very appreciative of that. A lot of the factories have closed down. We took a lot of the lot. Of, we took several of the workers there, and whether it be in the farms or sorting and selecting, and these people got to make money and live during this because a lot of people had to struggle during this uh, this virus because people shut down, whether it be you know supermarket or whatever it was, whatever form of business, and people were out of work. And we gave people work, and they were very appreciative of it. And uh, we're very big in a cross training our farmers. They don't just pick tobacco, they sort, select, they hang, they cure, they ferment. And we keep our people working all year long. <clears throat> and I think it's, it's an, an attribute to our, to our supervisors down there and the great job they, they did, whether it was Miguel Rivera or, or, or Silvio Loisega or, or Hamilton or Aristides Garcia that you met who just celebrated his 91st birthday and his 78th year in the cigar industry. And uh, he's going strong. And, uh, what a guy! What you know, a he, guy he yeah, is. he worked. Yeah, he worked every day. He never got COVID. Thank God. Uh, my mother's ninety and comes to work every day in the office. Uh, she was fine. She never got COVID either. So um, we were blessed with that, and we uh, we kept moving, and uh, we kept employment. People were strong, and uh, we ended up building you know great stocks and making great sales. You know, we increased our business in three years during COVID by over a hundred percent. And I'm proud of that. And we delivered to our retailers and we kept them afloat too. And they kept us afloat because they weren't getting cigars, but they were getting Perdomo cigars. We kept our merchandising. We kept our packaging going. We kept our walls of Perdomo going cigars all around the world, including my friend, Dan Swally, who's listening in Roseville, uh, Rosedale, Maryland. You guys are up in the Baltimore area. You got to go see Dan's Cigar Lounge. He's got two phenomenal stores, and he's he's like a member of the family. He's been to both my kids' weddings, and um, it's great that when you have retailers that you fall in love with and become family members. I'll tell you what a great guy Dan was. I was staying at the Trump Hotel in D.C. about 10 years ago. If you know the commute between Baltimore and D.C., it's treacherous with the traffic. He knew I was in town. He said, you're going to get a home-cooked meal. My wife is going to cook. She's a phenomenal cook. He drove an hour and a half, and it was about 35-mile drive. Took him 90 minutes. Picked us up, took us to Baltimore, had dinner at his home, hung around with his fantastic family, drove us back, made me feel terrible. I said, I'll take an Uber. He said, no way. Drove us back and drove back again. Those are the types of customers that we have, and we're, we're blessed. And it's really great when you can do business with people, and you really care for each other, too. So, uh it's phenomenal. It's great when you see retailers like Martin McHale and, and Dan and, and other guys who are listening and seeing friends like the Spronza brothers who are listening up. You, you become friends with these guys. I met, I met a lot of these consumers during Cigar Fest with Great Smoke and 
there's just there's just so many wonderful people. I would, if you listen to my YouTube videos, I always say when you're in a cigar lounge, never be afraid to ask questions because very rarely are you going to ever meet a bad cigar smoker. You know. Yeah, that's true. That, that, that's there's there's a little nugget too that you just mentioned, Nick. I don't want I don't want to glaze over it because I think it was really another impressive fact. We talk about you know over five thousand and people that you employ full time. By the way, you answered that question for one of our listeners, all full time. And but something you just mentioned a moment ago is that you cross like that's a that's a that's an amazing amount of people that you, you don't but you you choose to cross train. Yeah. Let's go into that a little bit. Why do you why you have the workforce? Why do you cross train your employees? Um, I'm interested to get your thought on that. I cross train my employees because I want them to work nonstop and I want them to be able to work as many hours as they wish. You know, we don't even close in December. A lot of people close for a month and that really hurts the workforce because they want to work because they want to make money. And mind you, when I'm working in December in the beginnings of January, all those workers are making double time. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's pennies on the dollar for what they can bring for Christmas for their families, more food on the table for them. Um, I, I take that very seriously. And so do our, so does our workforce and they're very appreciative of it. I even train women to become bunchers and rollers. So if their buncher calls in sick on Monday, they can work a full day and make hundred percent of their salary, not be dependent on other people. That's one of the reasons that I, I started cross training too, even in the rolling room. And it's been, it's been very good. You guys hear me. Okay. Correct. You're great. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I keep taking my, my earbuds cause I'm trying to charge and they go off and they go on. So I'm doing the old, ear switch back and forth. And I just want to make sure you hear me. So cross training is, is essential because you get a better worker. The worker makes more money and he's happy and we're happy. Listen, everybody has to earn. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, if I was greedy, I'd get slaughtered. That's just my opinion. You know? Yeah, no, that's a, you know, um, a lot of little, th I didn't realize a lot of those little things about the December and anything is, you know, um, I always hear every, it just seemed like it was given everything closed in December. And I never understood why with that. I, I, I really don't close. I close the 24th, the 25th. I close the first and I close on their national holidays and the workforce loves it. Uh, Harvey says, shout out to John Converse, another great employee that we have. You know, what's great is when you see consumers and retailers really respect the sales force and, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I could go on and on. The 15 guys that we have are phenomenal. And um, a lot of them have been with the company a long time. They have uh, full-time 401k profit sharing safe harbor. I want my guys that when they retire with the company, that they make good money um, for the rest of their lives. And one of the things that we don't do in the cigar business is provide pensions. And that's one thing we do. Sarah Gonzalez, our factory manager, when she retired, I paid her in full. I said, you're getting paid for the rest of your life. You gave me everything for, wow. for 27 years. And fortunately for us and fortunately for her, she didn't like the retirement life. She only retired for about 48 days and came back. So, <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, we're blessed. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, a mutual friend of all of ours is David Garofalo. And he was oh, on yeah. the show with Bear and I. And one thing he talked about was he, and he was beaming about this, um, he was invited into your national sales meeting, uh, and he and, it, I, and he was just honored that he got in there and got to 
to do. He didn't tell any trade secrets or anything, but just he kind of talked about the experience of being, you know, being a part of that. And I know it meant a lot to him with that. Um, and it, it's kind of funny. I joke with some people in the cigar industry that, like, like we have, like, my, in my day job, I have a real national sales meeting, but I see these national sales meetings where they're going around Nicaragua smoking cigars in the fields, you know. But, you know, and Dave was talking about how professional this meeting was, and he, he was just very positive about that whole experience, seeing your team in action with that. Well, let me tell you, the, the, the honor was mine to have a guy like David Garofalo speak to your sales force because he's one of the greatest retailers, not just in the cigar industry, but maybe one of the greatest retailers in the world selling anything. David Garofalo could sell ice water to Eskimos, and he just does a phenomenal job. And I was lucky enough last year, a couple of years ago, to have Mitchell Hirsch in Arizona speak at our, in our sales cigar meeting and cigar King, yeah. cigar King. And and he's another guy I have a lot of respect for. And, uh, he had asked me, would you like to speak? And I said, absolutely. Um, I have a, a very good friend of mine in Arkansas. Um, and he, he owns a, a great cigar store in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Brian. And he was saying, maybe you should get one of my guys. Who's a great speaker to speak at your next sales meeting. And I said, I'd be interested, you know, for sure. I like that our salesmen learn from everybody, whether it be a consumer, but most certainly a retailer. And uh, we have we have thousands of great retailers who are also great businessmen and great teachers, and we can always learn from them. So it's nice when you have a sales meeting and get a David Garofalo or or or, or a Mitchell Hirsch to be able to speak at your sales meeting. It's uh, you know, I got Jerry Goldenson. He's the president of KHS Music, one of the business probably the biggest music company in the world. And he flew down from Nashville oh, wow. and spoke at our sales meeting. And I was blessed enough when he, when he was the VP over Pearl drums that I got to speak at his national sales meeting. It's, it's great oh, wow. because yeah. So I, oh, that was, nice. that was, that was, that was a treat for me. So uh, we all, we all love doing that. And I love speaking in different, <clears throat> different factions of business too. You know, uh, I learn a lot by speaking and, and listen to the salesman concerns in other industries too and see, you know, they mirror, you know, brick and mortar is a tough, is a tough gig right now. And, uh, you know, my company's very unique where eight out of every 10 cigars that Perdomo makes is sold in a brick and mortar store. And I'm proud of that because a lot of those guys brought me to the dance and I still have triplicate forms from two guys smoke shop in East Boston when David had a shop in, in, in Massachusetts and I could go on with a ton of stores out there. It's just not, there's just, only so much time you can talk, but um, yeah. I've built I've built a lot of great relationships with a, with a with a lot of a lot of great people, and I've, I've met a lot of great friends. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of great guys out there. I see Jeff Jeff Ryan out there, Joe Marini, the Spronzes, Jeff. I mean, there's just a ton of guys that that I have a tremendous amount of respect for that are consumers that are they're listening. I can put my glasses on because I can't see. I love you too, Jeff Dodd. I love you too, Pat Jones. So it's it's nice seeing all these guys listen to the show and listen to this old guy talking, you know what I mean? But they enjoy what you do. And that's why I think I'm so cognizant about trying to produce the very best. And I think our team does too, because you know, it takes three seconds to get a customer really or it, it takes it takes three seconds to lose a customer. And it takes 10 years to get one. And I think about that all the time. And I and I speak to that to our team and the importance of everything they do and quality and our guys come in and they're, they're clean and sharp. And that's out of respect for you, the consumer. Um, I don't get the flip flops and cargo shorts coming into a retail store. 
I might be old school, but I think it's disrespectful, even though I'm wearing a Perdomo hoodie. But I'm here in my home, and I'm, I'm talking to you guys. But when I go out, people always ask, why are you always dressed in a suit or you know, dressed in a sports jacket and everything? And I always say it's respect for you. You know, you've probably heard the story before, Bear and Coop, but, you know, my mother always said that you go to church, dress your best in honor of God, and you go dress good in front of your customers because you respect them. And that's why I do it. I don't do it because I'm I'm stiff or anything like that. I love people. I'm a people person. I do it because I respect them so much. Yeah, I, that's a, it's a good, it's a, it, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I've told my boys that too. Then they go on job mm. interviews and stuff. I said, you know, good professional, you know, uh, and they, they take, at least they've taken that advice from me, which is good. So <laughs> I, I can say that. Now, now so, I always tell I always tell kids they should they should just listen to their moms and dads. Life would be a lot easier because nobody loves them more than your parents. So your the kids just need to listen to you. They listen to you. Life will go a lot smoother. Why fall in those holes when they didn't? They don't have to. You fall in them beforehand. It, you know. And it's funny when they get into their twenties and they come back to you and say, "You know what? I should have listened to you on this like ten years ago." <laughs> and I tell them, "Look, you have to sometimes you know blaze your own path and make your own mistakes to learn." So. You know, it's, but it is kind of interesting when they come back to you on that, uh, for sure. Now, Nick, big, big, big year this year for you. Uh, it's the 30th anniversary of Perdomo. So I know, I know it's a big, I mean, that first of all, what a milestone that is, you know, think about 30 years in business. Uh, that's got to be something really special. It really is. Um, we have a, a phenomenal cigar coming out. It, it's probably going to be delayed because of packaging. Um, it, it's crazy. The supply side has slowed down so much that, you know, when we order bands, we don't order much because we pretty much produce everything ourselves being vertically integrated, but paper products like bands, and we have a great partnership with Brydag and in the Netherlands, but they're, they're really, they're really backlogged. If, if it's not ink, it's gold powder and so on and so on. So, well, we're going to get the cigar out um, we're hoping to get it out by summer, but it might be out in fall because of, of the delays. It might even go into 2023. But uh, one thing I can guarantee all our consumers out there is it's going to be a phenomenal line of cigars. Um, we grow a lot of shade-grown proprietary Cuban seed tobacco that our genetic department developed. I think you came to the shade-grown operation, yep. Coop, and we gave out, we gave everybody the first year of the crop to smoke and you saw how beautiful those cigars oh, smoke. Oh boy, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine now three years later how those cigars are going to smoke and then add by the time we release them, there'll be a year in aging in our cedar line rooms. Those cigars are going to be unbelievable and it, it commemorates our 30th year, which is really important and if you look at our 10th year, it's still out. Our 20th year is still out and brands like Champagne that have been out for you know, over 20 years. And then, you know, you look at some of the new stuff like this, this 10th year anniversary sun grown, which is just superb. And it just shows the great job that our, our workforce has done, whether it be growing the tobacco, curing the tobacco, fermenting tobacco or aging tobacco and, and seeing what, what comes to fruition when you do everything right and are cognizant about doing everything right and having pride and passion in what you do, what it leads to at the end. And seeing consumers' faces smiling and looking at the cigar and smiling to me, that makes my day. You know, I always say this again, but I tell I tell everybody in the factory, and I told my son this 
a little while ago, the only thing that I care about at my stage of my career is that all you guys out there that smoke a Perdomo cigar are satisfied and happy that you can recommend them to your friends and that our retailers are confident to walk into the wall of Perdomo, wherever it be, in any store around the world and say, I recommend this cigar, not worry the cigar doesn't draw or the cigar doesn't burn or the cigar is not consistent and blend. And at my stage of my career, um, that's really all I care about because today I'm working for my grandchildren, to be honest with you. So um, I've been blessed. We've sold a lot of cigars in the last 30 years and we continue to do so. And Coop, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank Baron. I'd like to thank everybody out there uh, who's listening that, that, that really pushes our cigars, especially our retail partners out there that have believed in the merchandising concept that I brought out eight years ago. I'm certainly not telling them how to run their business. I want their business to run better. And I followed companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and Procter and Gamble and, and Kimberly Clark and companies at Tostitos that took, took merchandising to another degree by the biggest spy company in the world, which is Google. And, and I learned a lot from them and uh, it's been great. And the retailers have done it. Have, have had their cash register drinks faster and faster and faster. And we have been able to supply them with the cigars they need because that's my responsibility. And uh, it's worked out great. Yeah, so, okay. Nick, you talk about the – sorry, Coop. Just, go ahead. You go ahead. I, I want to hit on this point. Nick, you, you talk uh, – we've, we've talked several times and even some several times tonight about the Perdomo way and everything. And I, But I think – you know, for all the, there's a lot, there's a lot of retailers tuning, tuning in tonight and a lot of consumers for that matter. And I think it's worth noting that there, we're, we're in, in the very beginning of what Coop and I have talked about before, which is going to be a very, a very, a, a very tumultuous time in the industry when it comes to supply and demand. And you talked about the struggle of packaging, um, but the cigars aren't, the cigars are never going to be in question. And what we're seeing a lot right now, Coop and I have had this conversation when we're smoking different cigars and we'll, you know, we have a group chat that we, we go back and forth and like, oh, this needs time. Oh, this needs time. Oh, this you needs hit my time. Point, I was going to hit there, by the way. That's exactly what I was and, like. And this is, yeah. And, and this is, it, it's, it's a very tumultuous time that we're, we're unfortunately, I think in the very beginning of, I think it's going to be a, an issue for a while, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but for, like you said, for your retail partners to welcome in a first time guest, or welcome in a, you know, an old faithful regular and know when they hand a Perdomo cigar, they don't have to sweat it. They don't have to worry. And that's, and I mean, that's, like you said, that the legacy that you've created, that has to, that has to weigh on you um, because of the responsibility that you've, that you've taken upon your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, and also I have a responsibility to my sales team. When I look at guys like Rod Medrano and Pat Jones and John Converse and all the other guys that are listening, I have to give them the bullets to shoot. If I give them young cigars and cigars that are inconsistent, they're going to get sand kicked in their face, and I don't want that to happen. So I'm very cognizant, our whole team is, to make sure that we give them the proper artillery that's precision-wise that works each and every time. So... Hence why I built two new facilities. If you can envision the two new facilities that I built have produced millions of cigars, none of them have been sold. They've been putting aging rooms so I can continuously have cigars that have been aged a minimum of six months before they go out. I know because of demand today, I've heard this, and it's not from me, it's from 
a lot of people out in the industry that have said, hey, listen, I bought a box of cigars. You know, I've opened up a box of cigars. Half of them were box pressed, half of them were round. Some didn't have bands on them. I smell ammonia. Um, they're my competitors, but it's wrong to rush product because you should never hurt the retailer or hurt the consumer in any way. You're supposed to give them the very best so they can be proud to sell it. And there are a lot of great cigar makers out there that aren't doing it. But I've gotten intel from some phenomenal retailers around the country who are saying that they're starting to see steps skipped. And uh, that's sad. It reminds me of 1996 and 1997 during the boom where it was like from the clam to the can. I mean, literally, the cigars were made, put in boxes and shipped out. And uh, we shouldn't get away with that. We shouldn't do it. We're not Cuba where we can skip a ton of steps and people look at the band and say, well, this is from here. So I'm going to I'm going to eat it. People are not going to eat it. I mean, the American consumer is used to smoking great cigars. And that's my responsibility and the responsibility of our company to give each and every consumer and each and every retailer worldwide the very best that Perdomo can give them. Um, if I couldn't do it, I wouldn't ship. Um, I wouldn't because I'm not going to rush something that's not ready because I know it's going to bite me and I know it's wrong. And that's the, that's the big thing. It's wrong. I got to sleep good at night there, uh, you know, and, and I do. And, uh, and it's, it's the utmost importance to give the retailer and, and, and you guys, the smoker, the very best they, that we can. I guarantee every cigar you're smoking from our line draws perfectly. It's burning perfectly. It's, it's been constructed perfectly. It's been hand-checked. If you look at every box of Perdomo cigars, you can see the sort team. That's the team that went through all the production. If you take, if you take the vist off the inside of the box, you'll see a number there. It's the team who built the boxes. We know every single step from where the, 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 the wood was milled all the way to the finished part because the box is beautiful too. Remember, when I sell a box of cigars, it's not about the free lighter and the cutter. To me, it's about the cigar. To me, this, the box of cigars is like the bone-in ribeye and the tchotchkes are the empty salt, pepper, and shaker. And it really doesn't mean anything to me. What I want that consumer to get is bang for their buck for that box of cigars I sell him and our salesmen have the same mantra, the same mindset when they sell a box of cigars that, you know, we're doing a new thing now where we're doing a, we're going to do tastings like we do in the cigar factory. And the reason we're doing it, it's a bespoke program where we're making cigars. We call them in between where they're in between the 10th and the 20th, where I'm going to be able to custom made where I know where a guy, where he falls at. He's going to be blindfolded too, just like we do in Nicaragua. What, a, what an exercise. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm going to be able to tell you exactly what you like, and you're going to be able to tell me exactly what you like by what you smoke, by not looking at it, but actually smoking it without seeing it. A lot of times I go to my hotel room after an event and go, man, did I sell that guy the right box of cigars? Because people always go, what do you smoke? I always go, what do you like? And the reason is I'm not a salesman. I'm the cigar maker, but what's great about my salesman is they have the same care of that consumer and they really want to sell them exactly what they like because everybody likes something, you know, yeah. and you, I make something for everybody, but I need to know what you like, whether it be a ribeye, a bone in filet or, or a piece of salmon. I got to make sure because everybody's taste is subjective. That's hence why we have three wrappers on each lines. So we have different, we have different SKUs on the line and, and it's to be able to satisfy each and every smoker. And we have enough intel 
with our 17 salesmen that tell me whether what sizes they like, what flavor characteristics they're liking. And we grow tobacco that way. And that's one of the great things about being vertically integrated. We don't grow tobacco by weight. We grow, we grow tobacco by quality. And when you grow tobacco for quality, it becomes very expensive. And when you're using fertilizers from Bayer in Germany and you're using watering systems from Israel to make sure that you can pelletize water, and you saw that coop where we can actually drop the exact amount of fertilizer that lot needs into a droplet of water to go right into that root base to make sure that we don't have any topical water on the plants so we don't wash even one iota of resin, oil, or grease like we call, which is the flavor that you love when you smoke a fine cigar. That shows the dedication of our workforce. And um, we all have to pull the same way. And um, look, I might be the leader of them, but um, I'm very proud of each and every one of them. And they are a great asset to our company, the greatest, to be quite honest with you. And I'm proud to say that. It's like I go to a trade show and I'll say, can I help you, Jim? And he'll go, no, I'm going to wait for Rod Medrano. I don't take that personally. I take that as humbling. And I go wait inside. I'm like fired up like Chris Farley when he made that sale to Dan Aykroyd. You know what I mean? I'm happy about that because right. it's not about egos. We leave our egos outside the door. It shows that my guys are doing their job. They're building relationships with their retailers and their retailers are confident in a guy like Roy Kirby or a or a Joe Winder, a Peter Worth. I could go on a Tim Kime. I, I just have such a, such a great crew of guys that 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 we have, and our sales, our our retailers trust in them, and we want them to trust in them because whether they make a sale or not, they're getting paid, and they want to do the very best for their retailer, and they know they have to come back in that store. And I always tell them, don't lie. They're used to that. Tell them the truth show them how to make money and have them make money because they're going to respect you for that. And that's, that's one of our mantras when we have every sales meeting, do not lie, be honest. These things burn. They have to come back again. And if you're known as a liar and you screw a guy over, he'll never forget it. And we take that very seriously. No, I could tell. So uh, I think this is a good segue. We, I mentioned the question at the top of the show coop, Nick mentioned, uh, I mentioned how the box of the cigars is the prize and, the swag is the afterthought. Let's let's not let's not make no mistake here, Nick. Your swag is some of the best in the industry. Your lighters, I know, I have I have customers over. I had customers over at Michael's that treasured those lighters that you gave away. So here's that question, because I know you've done a video on this topic. I asked Coop for for Nick Perdomo. What is it? If you're using a butane torch lighter, is it single? Is it double? Is it triple? Or is it more? Well, I like at least double. Because when, when, I, when I light the cigar, I don't use the actual flame. I use the heat of the flame. So the more circumference I have, like, for example, this lighter here is a quad flame, okay? And the reason I use a quad flame is because I'm smoking a 54 ring gauge cigar. So if you look, the flame is actually about two inches underneath the cigar. I'm actually propelling the flame because I don't want to char that tobacco and produce the carbon buildup. I want to toast that cigar and I want the actual heat to light that cigar. So to me, having three flames and four flames is not a bad thing because I'm not a welder. I'm not doing this thing. I'm actually using the heat and actually lighting the cigar with the actual heat of the lighter. And the more jets that I have, I might use more fuel, but I'm going to, I'm going to light my cigar better. 
Um, if you go to my YouTube channel, I show you how to properly cut and light a cigar. Since all our cigars are draw tested, the only thing you have to do is literally shave the top off. The tops are cosmetic on our cigars in reality because they draw as soon as you shave. The same thing with our torpedoes. If you cut them just a quarter of an inch, they'll draw like mm -hmm. like a baby. I mean, you don't you don't need to cut down deep. The great thing about smoking a torpedo is you're smoking a 54 ring gauge cigar, but in your lips, you're smoking a 42 ring gauge cigar, which is nice and easy to smoke. Yeah. A lot of torpedoes have a lot of, the torpedo in general has a lot of bad, bad information on it because a lot of guys don't know how to make a torpedo correctly and they cross yeah. the bunch. And it's certainly not my responsibility to teach them how not to cross the bunch. We learned that from Sarah Gonzalez who made Monte Cristo number twos at at the at the H. Umman factory for 30 years. And we started that in the early nineties in 1992, and we've really perfected the torpedoes. So when people mm -hmm. smoke a Perdomo torpedo, they can be rest assured that it's going to draw perfectly and they don't really need to cut that much off of it. And they'll see how comfortable it is on their lips when they smoke it. Yeah. Bear and I have actually commented on that. Um, yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. one of the last times we had Nick too, is yeah. I, I'm a huge, I'm, uh, just to resurface the topic. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm one of the I'm one of those consumers, Nick. I, I got burned so many times uh, early in my smoking career from just poorly made torpedoes that I just I don't trust the Vitola. I'm sorry, I don't. And 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 but Perdomo's one of them. And again, it's not just because you're on the show. It, it everything you've said is yeah, true. I did I did take your advice on something because I've all because of my experience with torpedoes, I've always cut at that in that angle to create more surface area to create a better drawing experience. And so I took you up on that, the, the, the very, the very small amount, the you know, the very quarter of an inch on your cigars. And, uh, and, and uh, I mean, uh, yeah, of course, spot on. Um, it was, it was just as a great of experience of, of, uh, as smoking, you know, the, the traditional Parejo that I'm smoking right now, the draw was absolutely sensational. Um, and, and just the way that Coop and I really like it with this, which is just, uh, the right amount of smoke, the right amount of resistance, perfect draw that's what i want that's why we draw test we draw test even our torpedoes we even draw test our immensos we our machine shop built a big coupling where we can put a 70 ring gauge in i just think it's important that every single cigar draw is draw tested if you draw test 10 percent of the cigars you're not going to be able to really know the feeling of each roller depending on the size of the cigar they make the draw testing stations are basically like the paddle that you had when you were a kid. Barry, you're probably too young, but when I was a kid, you got your ass paddled. If you behaved wrong, the worst thing is that they called your mom and dad. That you wanted the paddle, believe me. So I didn't want to call Nick Senior or my mother. I'd, I'd get my ass kicked worse. But when guys know that each and every one of your cigars are draw tested, they take their time. They're more diligent. They look deeper. And you know what happens? Everybody wins because they get paid for their production. The retailer can be confident in selling the cigar and the consumer can know each and every time that cigar is going to perform for him. And that's extremely important to us. That's why we, we invested so much money in, in draw testing. We can draw test up to 18 cigars per second. And, uh, you know, our production coop is, is very large. Yeah. And to be able to draw test that many cigars, it's... Um, it's pretty mind boggling, but yeah. we've really perfected it and uh, it works good. And we don't impede the worker. He can continuously work. He fills, he has 20 press molds. He fills 10. He puts a flag up. A guy walks up. He doesn't have to bring them back. We bring them back for him as we're draw testing the cigars. He's making more cigars. 
by the time he gets that press mold back, if he if he makes a mistake, he gets called back in private. We show him what the mistake was. We have him. We even give. We actually dismantle the cigar, flatten all the materials, and have him redo it again. We add the lijero because it gets crushed in the bunch. And what we do is we give another opportunity to make the cigar, and we teach him his error. So it's a learning experience. Um, we average about fourteen to eighteen cigars a day that don't draw. It's about three tenths of one percent. Wow. But that's 14 cigars that never go out to the public. If you divide it by the thousands of boxes we make every day, it's very insignificant, but it's very significant in the same token because I don't want any of those cigars to get past those four black doors that I showed you about when you were in Esteli. We have a big saying. It says, not one product. We're an export factory. It says in Spanish that one of these cigars gets beyond these four doors because our consumers deserve the very best and our retailers deserve the very best to sell our product and it's a privilege that they sell our cigars it's it's our privilege that they that they take confidence in us in selling our cigars and look i'm very picky you know i buy three suits i mean three different brands of suits i buy three different brands of shirts i buy two different brands of ties and i pretty much buy two to three different brands of shoes and the reason i do that is because i know they're consistent they're quality they're available and uh i can always count on them because believe it or not cigars are just not about consistency and quality it's got to be available too if you can't get cigars what good is it to keep waiting nobody should wait in line to give you their money and consumers work really hard to be able to buy cigars and if they're not consistently getting them and they're consistently waiting I'll tell you, I'm not very patient. If I go to a clothing store and they don't have a brand of suit I have, I'm going to buy something else. And we're cognizant about that. That's why we try to store and make sure that we have a tremendous amount of inventory in our aging rooms. And when our consumers want cigars, we do the very best. And we're proud to say that we ship 99.38% complete on all our merchandise retailers, which are the best around the world. And our consumers see it. I got the greatest compliment. I had a, a customer of mine who went to Baltimore, Maryland and went to Dan Swally's store and said, I went and saw this beautiful wall of Perdomo cigars. It's called the ease of shopping, Google calls it. And I, I went right there and I spent the money I was going to spend. Matter of fact, I ended up buying more. And then this guy actually works for McCormick. And he said, I went to Solon, Ohio, which is a really nice suburb of Cleveland. I went to Port Royal. And the guy had the same wall and I spent the same amount of money because I walked right to it. I didn't have to go find it and pick through it. And then, you know, it's hard sometimes because you got all these boxes of cigars out there. And if you can't see it, the consumer after every step, after 90 seconds starts diminishing the amount of money he's going to spend. If you, the retailer amortizes that daily, weekly, quarterly, and yearly, it's a big loss for them. And our salesman, try to preach that and the best retailers get it. And some guys think we're trying to tell them how to run their business. And we certainly don't, we respect their business, but I wish they would respect what we want to do and we want to make them successful. And, you know, we use, you know, we use Salesforce and Microsoft power BI. We can, we can prove to them how merchandising works. And a lot of companies are doing it right now. And it's the right thing to do. And the retailers that are merchandising are making the most amount of money. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, the case studies that you showed us in Nicaragua, the case studies that Nick took us through, 
and it was you could see the case studies. It was like, and you went through these, and it was like a, like a no-brainer when you actually saw these examples that you showed. Coop, we've got a great question in the chat. I I can't let this this opportunity go. I didn't know this. I'm okay. I hope it's not a joke, but this is this is a great question from Charlie. Uh, Nick, how did you like your brief uh, political career in the Miami local public service? Did you make a difference? Was it rewarding an experience or was it drudgery? That's a question from Charlie Creekmore. <laughs> Charlie Creekmore is a great guy. I used to band buy bands from him 20 years ago. He's a, he's a great friend. Um, Charlie was all loving, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I looked at the budget in my city. I, I got very angry about it. My son told me something. He said, Dad, you always told me if you can do it better, you should do it yourself. So it was, it was on my bucket list to do public service. And uh, when, I, when I went in, I had 22 campaign promises. One of the senior councilmen said, it'll take you 22 years to get that done. I said, no, I'm a business guy. It'll take four years. I'm not a politician. I had to really be a bull in a china shop to get everything done. But I did. I actually took our, our budget, cut it by 51%, provided better service for our, for, for our, for our citizens. I was very popular in the city and uh, I got things done because I ran, you know, I've run PL statements and I know how to run a budget. I've ran, I ran with a lot of guys who were lawyers and there's nothing wrong with lawyers and there's nothing wrong with realtors, but they were looking for credit instead of getting the job done. And Ronald Reagan always said, it doesn't matter who gets the credits about getting the job done. And uh, I got a lot done and uh, I promised I was only going to run one term I could have ran for the rest of my life, but I didn't because I wanted to put term limits and I got that done. And anyway, to make a long story short, I got 22 of my campaign promises. I actually did them in 39 months. It was a tremendous amount of work. Um, we should have more businessmen in politics, not politicians. They can get a lot more done, but it was drudgery too, because um, no good deed goes unpunished. I always tried to do the best and you always have the guy to your left and your right where the best wasn't really what he wanted. He wanted something that he would get on the backside and so on. And that's why Ronald Reagan said that the second oldest professional career is politics. We know the first one's prostitution. The only difference between prostitution and politics is, you know, prostitution at least gives you some type of reward if you choose to deal that way. Politics gives you no reward um, in a lot of instances. Uh, it was rewarding for me because I helped my city and a lot of people that I know live in it, include Arthur Kemper. Uh, we actually gave them rebate checks when when we we cut the taxes because they were overspending so much. And what did these guys want to do to the left and right of me? They wanted to take that surplus and spend it. And I said, no, you stole that from the taxpayer. That goes back to them. And uh, not only did we give people their money back, I made an incentive where I went to business and said, these people that are getting all these, these rebate checks, if they come into your place of business, I would like you to give them 10% off at least or 15% on everything. So we kept the money in our town and we rejuvenate. And that's the way you, you build an economy, not by taxing and spending and regulating it. So it worked out really good. So it was rewarding at the same time. Would I do it again? Hell no. I'm a cigar maker. That's what I like to do. And that's what I'm going to continue to do, Charlie. And that's mm -hmm. the truth. Was this was this my the city of Miami or was this one of the the, the many suburbs of the area? And it was it was one of the suburbs. The city called Miami Lakes has thirty five thousand people. It's a beautiful town. My beautiful. son lives in it today. 
um, extremely well. Uh, Coop stays there every time he comes into Miami. He'll tell you it's a, a beautiful manicured. It's like Mayberry. You and I, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think I made it better. I think I made it better, and that's what I was supposed to do. My name was on there. I never collected a salary. I gave it away. Um, if guys wanted to talk to me, they came to the cigar factory. If they wanted, they got a cigar and a cup of coffee. The guys that didn't smoke cigars got a cup of coffee. But I listened to the people's business, and I, I, was, I was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I was extremely popular, but I was honest. I was forthright, and I did what I was supposed to do. And I, I made my, my family proud. I made my children proud. And I think I made Arthur proud and everybody who lived in the great city of Miami Lakes. But uh, I'm going to stick with cigars. Politics are over. I've done a lot of things in my life in really a short amount of time. I, I was proudly been able to serve the military for five years. I got to serve my country. That was probably the proudest thing I ever did. I got into politics. I've been presidents of companies. I've done, I was an air traffic controller. There's only 12,000 12, of us in the world. So I got to do a lot of things on my bucket list, but uh, what I like to do is make cigars and make consumers and retailers happy. That's 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 where I'm going to ride off on the sunset, continuing to do that. That's awesome. I never I never knew that. I never knew that. Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thanks, and thank you, Nick. No, thank you. Thank you. So a couple, couple more, and then we have a couple of fun things we want to uh, hit you. Not that this isn't fun, but some non-cigar stuff I want to hit you with. Um, okay. So the tours are coming back next year, right? The tours are coming back. They're going to start in January and February. We actually had the tours last year sold out. Um, but because of COVID, we had to cancel them. Even though Nicaragua was not locked, I would like to lock up the guy out there who's beeping the horn unmercifully in front of my apartment right now. But um, Nicaragua wasn't locked, but um, this administration made it impossible for Americans to fly back into their countries. And I wasn't going to put our consumers and our retailers in a way where they would have to pay $150 for a COVID test to come back into their country and drive them down two hours to Managua to take the test and wait in hours of lines. I wasn't going to do that. I didn't think it was fair. Um, you know, they were told, you know, we were told if we got vaccines, we wouldn't have to do that. And we've had to do that. And still to this day, uh, companies like American Airlines, Delta, United still won't fly into Nicaragua because they're not going to do all the paperwork. And unfortunately, our carriers have been hurt by our own government. Now, if you want to go to Nicaragua, you're going to fly on a Colombian air carrier called Avianca. And it's uh, horrible to say the least to fly with them. And I wasn't going to put my our consumers or our retailers to do that. So we're hoping that this administration gets some type of common sense and stops that and allows Americans to fly back in their in their country unmolested and be able to do that. So we believe in January and February and maybe even parts of March we will. We're expecting upwards to, to six to seven hundred people to come on our tour this year, and we're we're ready for them, and we're excited to have them back and we're excited to have a lot of new people back. And a lot of the guys who are listening have been on the factory tour and have enjoyed it. And the guys who haven't been on there, you're more than welcome to come. It's, it's, uh, I think you're going to love it. And bear, you're, you're, you're definitely one that we, we would love to come. I know your passion for cigars like coop. And I think you're going to learn a lot of stuff. And we learn a lot, not only from our retailers, but we learn a lot of stuff from our media people and our consumers. And it's, we have a lot of fun. But it's not a drunk fest. We drink at night. We have a blast. But we also learn a lot. And I don't think you flew 
1500 miles just to drink you can do that in your backyard it's about learning and we have a lot of stuff to show you it takes 3054 hands to make a perdomo cigar because we're vertically integrated and we show you all 3054 steps visually and you get into the nuts and bolts of everything you come into the tasting rooms i don't want to i don't want to give away too much but um guys are blown away you're getting information fed to you from a fire hose and uh, you're drinking it as fast as you can and you're learning and we recap a lot at night and guys sit around in rocking chairs and we have a blast and you meet some of the greatest people because like i said earlier and i'll say it again you don't meet many bad cigar smokers that's a fact no it was great i get i can vouch for every bit of that and bear here here's what you'll love about it first thing you get is, is a perdomo notebook and you'll need it i i still have my perdomo notebook sitting on my desk in my office so uh looking hey, Coop, I, 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 I got guys like Brian Waters from Open Door Cigar in Fayetteville, Arkansas, who's been on pretty much every single cigar, Perdomo cigar tour since his beginning. And he's become an incredible, incredibly successful retailer coming from law enforcement. And I'm proud that he said, hey, man, I learned I'm going to come every year because I get so much out of it. Um, you know, guys like Dan Squally has been there numerous times. Um you know, there's a tremendous amount of retailers have come down who've really learned. And a lot of retailers have been to numerous cigar factory tours who said, this is the best one. And I'm proud of that. You know what I mean? And the only guys that do this is me and Arthur. And the reason we do it is we know that factory like the back of our hand. And pretty soon my son Nicholas will be doing them because he knows that factory like the back of his hand. So we're going to be able to to offset that, because, you know, we get 40 on one week, 40 on the on the second week, we, we get 80 per week. And after 160 guys and answering, you know, 63 million questions, you start losing your voice. So, Nicholas, we got to get you on there to help us out, too. So <laughs> and, uh, and and we still got four salesmen that we got to bring down there, too. We got we got to bring down Peter Worth. We got to bring down Mark Thibodeau. Um, you know, there, there, there's several guys, Rod Madrano, who hasn't been down and these guys, because to work for us, it's very essential that you come to our factory and see what we can, what we do. And they learn a lot on the YouTube channel and everything, but nothing is more important than actually coming down to the facility. And I think Coop, you learned a lot, even though you've been in the industry and talking to a lot of people, I hope you learned a lot absolutely. coming down on the tour. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, and you need a refresher course. <laughs> so I, oh, I will tell you that. And that's because there's a, there is a lot. And obviously I can't master what you guys have done for 30 years. Yeah. And, and, and this yeah. is a reason yeah. like guys like Pat Ryan at Sanctuary Cigars in Montgomery, Alabama, yeah. he's been down 13 times. He's a brain surgeon and he has two successful cigar stores in the state of Alabama and I would go to impact you learn so I learn something every time I come in and I I with the repetition I learn even more because some of it I don't you know I don't necessarily get on the first time so that makes me proud that guys continue and the factory changes you can envision you were down there three years ago you came down just before COVID we have over 150,000 square feet of building space that was developed in these last three years that you haven't seen Wow. And you're going to see a lot more tobacco and there's a lot more growth. And so it's exciting. And we're excited to show people our, our passion on our cigars. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it really, you it know. really shows. I mean, you guys just love it. I mean, I see you were just in your element. Uh, it was just, uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing tour. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if I pay extra, can I get two notebooks? Cause I feel like I'm going to need them. 
You won't even need to pay extra. I'll give you two notebooks, Bear. It's on me. Bear loves having the, Bear loves having the notebook. So like the first thing when I got the notebook, I, I think I sent Bear a picture. Look, Bear. <laughs> so I, I'd be I'd be excited for Bear to come because I know he is really into cigars. Um we we had a we had uh we had a, a, a we have a manager who came down from two guys smoke shop and he was typing and I thought he was texting. So I said, Are you kidding me? Are you freaking typing while I, are you texting while I'm talking? And I went over and looked at his phone and he said, are you kidding me? Are you freaking, are you freaking texting? He was literally typing every word I said, these young kids can spin on these phones faster amazing. than anything. It's amazing. And he, and, he said, and he said, no, Nick, he said, I'm, I'm actually typing every word you say because I can type faster than I can write. And, uh, he's a phenomenal retailer and, uh, I'm proud of that young man. And he's, he's done, he's done, he's done a, a, a great job and he really took to it. He learned. And I would say probably 95% of the people that come down really, really get so much out of it. And they're there to learn about their passion cigars, whether they're a consumer or a retailer or a distributor or whatever, you know, or a media person. So I love that. You know, yeah, no, it, it, it's great as well. Actually, you know, one more question I do have on in terms of production, right? Yes. Um, what I've really admired about Perdomo, and I, I'll bear this is going to dovetail into what you want to ask too, is you haven't done it with, you haven't had to do the uh, limited edition of the month, right? You have, you have created these core lines, and then you have some of your more limited production lines. Um, and, and I think there's something to that. I just think as a consumer, you know, when I was starting out earlier, I was one of those guys who wanted the limited edition of the month. But I think, I don't want to say maybe I got older and wiser, but. I've now kind of come to the other side where I, I just I appreciate the fact that you guys are bringing these core lines these and then you have some of your more limited production lines because you're constrained by certain things like tobacco and you know aging and things like that and and, and it's more of a comment than a question I want to really commend Perdomo on that because I appreciate that a great deal uh, as a consumer and a media person. Well, thanks, Coop. We're blessed enough because we're vertically integrated. We do everything by lot numbers on all our different farms. So when we develop a blend, we use it on the exact grounds and lot numbers of that, of that farm. That's why we have the consistency we have. And one of the limited brands that we have every year, and one of the brands I'm most proud of is a 12-year double-aged vintage, which I only have six in my humidor because my dad always said, don't smoke your own stash. Make sure your consumers and your retailers get it. But the 12-year double-aged vintage is a brand that that only a hundred retail stores in the United States have. And you, you can imagine we have several thousand retail stores that carry Perdomo. So that's very limited, but we've had to limit that because we have to barrel age the fillers, binders, and wrappers. And because of the labor to do that, we can't produce that many cigars. So it's a small production, but envision a hundred stores selling over a million cigars a year that shows. And it's not the biggest stores that necessarily have the 12 year double age vintage. We trusted in, in our sales team and especially Arthur and my son to pick the retailers that don't say, hey, if you need something in the humidor, just give me a call. These are guys that hand sell cigars the way it used to be and the way it should be today. And this is something very exclusive to them, the 12-year double-age vintage, because they get that cigar and they have to sell it because there's only usually about one to two cigar stores per state that even have that branded best. There's only you know, 50 states. So um, it's an exclusive product to them. And 
the retailers behind the counters know that they have to give great customer satisfaction, great customer care to promote that cigar because it's a cigar that you don't really see. And it's because it's on that wall of Perdomo and, and the best cigar stores around the nation, they'll ask about it. And the retailer is usually there to talk about the, how special that cigar is and how those tobaccos are certified that they're 12 years old. They've been aged for 120 months. They were hand selected. They were all bourbon barrel aged for a minimum of two years to certify the 12 years. And that's what my, that comes from my love of single malt scotches and, and bourbons and, and really good sipping rums that, that have a lot of aging on them and it makes a big difference. So that's, that's our only limited brand, but the people that have it are consistently getting those cigars to resell them. And we're going to open up, I think another five to seven stores next month that Arthur's going to decide who to pick on to sell those cigars. But those are cigars that, you know, that are very special, just like all our cigars are special. But what's special to me is when a guy comes to me and, and on, on the road where I was just recently and said, let me introduce you to my son who's 22 years old. Let me show you the box that I bought him for his birth. And today I'm buying a new box of the Perdomo 10th anniversary champagne for his wedding. Those are the things that, that, that make you so humbled. And he said, and by the way, in those 22 years, I've bought hundreds of boxes of Perdomo cigars or, I have a, a customer who's now a friend named Robbie, Robbie Shear from Montreal, who has a home in, in West Palm Beach. And he estimates that he's bought over 4,600 boxes of Perdomo cigars since he's been with the, with the line for 25 years. He can smoke whatever he wants. And he said the most beautiful thing is the consistency of the product. And I know what I'm going to get. It's whether I go to a Morton Steakhouse in Dallas, or I go to a Morton Steakhouse in Miami, the steaks are consistent each and every time because they buy from the best purveyors. And I feel like I buy from the best purveyor. And I've been smoking cigars for 35 years. I smoked solely Cuban cigars because I'm Canadian. And someone recommended me a Perdomo cigar in Fort Lauderdale 24 years ago. And I've never stopped. I'm a big cigar smoker. The guy's got to walk in humidor and to me that's that's music in your music for years and that's what makes you smile because you get to see what the consumer really likes you know and uh and you see all the work that you do and it's all about consistency of the brand and and, and our guys are doing it and uh and i'm proud of that i really am i don't know if i've hit the threshold of a thousand nick but i've you know i'm willing to bet in the the 18 plus years that I've been smoking cigars, I'm definitely in the several hundreds at this point. It might be at a thousand. It, uh, I've, and I've smoked a lot of uh, brands. We, we talked with Arthur Kemper about the golf edition uh, when he was on a couple weeks ago. My, my but favorite, one of my favorites. Yeah, I read a segment from his re, uh, from Coop's review back in the day of the golf edition. But uh, one of the cigars in in and it's it's been out for a while, but in recent memory that I that I really enjoyed and I. I was curious about the state of the project because I know it's all, it was also limited at the time and it may very well still be, I'm just curious about it, but the small batch 2005 was a very special project that I really enjoyed, um, you know, uh, on, on all three of the, the very, the varietals, you know, the Connecticut, the sun grown and the Maduro 
Um, what's the, is, is that, is that limited or is that, is that an ongoing production or what? Cause I know the tobaccos are very limited because it's 10, 10 year filler, right? 10 year filler. 10 year filler. It's basically the, the smaller leaves of the 12 year double age vintage and haven't been cased in bourbon barrels, only the wrappers, but we actually retired just recently three brands. So I'm going to let all the consumers know it. We retired small batch. We retired Pernomo Factory Tour Blend, and we retired Nick Sticks. It's a brand that's been with us for 30 years. And the reason we did that is not because of poor sales. All the brands were upwards to close to a million cigars. The reason we did it was because we only have so much table time. And brands like 10-Year Maduro, the new 10-Year Sun Grown, I could go on with all the Pernomo Habanos, Champagne, of course. I mean, Champagne Epicure sold more cigars, just that one SKU, than all the small batches put together. So you have to really make a business decision and say, you're going to spread this portfolio so wide to make it so difficult for the retailer and consumer, or are you going to stay with the core brands that are really jumping up? So we're very blessed. Perdomo 20th anniversary is on fire, 10 years on fire, Lot 23 is on fire, Fresco's on fire, Lot tw- or, uh, Perdomo Habana's on fire. I mean... You're looking at, at five brands with five SKUs with three different wrappers that are that are selling incredibly, and it's a blessing for us. But we have to make sure that our retailers get those cigars. And if we start taking brands that are doing 700, 800,000 cigars versus brands that might do 700, 800,000 cigars per size, you got to make that tough decision. And what we've done there is we've actually taken all our lines and truncated them. I mean, a lot of them had six or seven sizes. We went to five sizes and we only asked the retailer to carry a minimum, a minimum of four sizes. So we can have at least, you know, 36 inches on the shelf, which is the eyesight that the human being can see and propel sales for that size. Because we were, we are really cognizant about the square inch of the retailer's humidor and making sure that he makes maximum amounts of money per square inch and to make sure that the consumers have the ease of shopping to buy the, to buy the, the brand that they, that they like from Perdomo. So that's why we had to retire those three brands. And of course we have a lot of people that are, that are angry about it. I remember when we had a state selection, 1991, this young man said, I'm so pissed at you, Nick. I love DSV 1991 and you retired. And why'd you do that? And I said, well, cause I ran out of the tobacco of that crop and you know that happens i'm not going to put a band on a cigar and say vintage whatever and keep selling it when it's not that year of that tobacco again bear i gotta sleep at night honesty is something that god will bless you with all all the time and so will your consumers and your retailers bless you for being honest and again i gotta sleep good at night so i'm gonna continue doing the right thing because I believe in karma. And I think that if, if you do the right thing, it comes back to you. And um, that's why we, we, uh, we did that. And uh, hi, Joey. I see Joey's on the, on the line, my friend, Joey from, from Massachusetts. But, so our, our whole thing is about not only keeping the quality and consistency alive, but keeping the core brands around. And we're proud that we have, you know, lot 23 has been out since 1999. So you're talking about a brand's been out 22 years or 23 years. You know, uh, Champagne been out 22 years, Perdomo Habano 21 years, Fresco 27 years. It's not about throwing something bare against the wall and hoping it sticks. It's about building a line 
and building a legacy of a brand that's consistent year after year. And it should be because there's a lot of great brands that have been out for centuries. So why can't we do it? And the way we can do it is by doing it by lot numbers and making sure the consistency of the brand. We just don't take light tobacco and say from Estelle that we're going to make it on this cigar. We actually pick the grounds and we do a lot of tastings to make sure the consistency is around. And being blessed to have a smoking panel that has close to 335 years of smoking experience, we can really dial in on the dosage of the blend and produce consistency on the brands that people smoke. And that's what we want. In the honor of those tobaccos, Nick, that you talked about, um, such great reverence, I'm, I'm, I finished that Habano that you had me smoke, uh, that you chose for me to smoke at the top of the show. It's literally burning my fingertips. Uh, reminds me all the time. And you've noticed the consistency was from start to finish. That's what it's I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah, it's not that you had to smoke two inches to get into it. You got flavor from the beginning because that roller who made that cigar took those tips of that leaf and lined them in the six inch mark. So when you lit that cigar from the beginning, you got taste from, from start to finish. The reason that sometimes people say, I got to smoke two inches of the cigar is because the cigar was made backwards. When you pick the tobacco leaf, that part on the stalk should never be in the front of the barrel. It should be where your lips are because it's not the main meat of the tobacco. These are all the little intricacies that produce a great quality cigar. And we had two baller tobacco bears. So you saw that you smoked that cigar. We've been on for an hour and 50 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of you, you're, you're probably not going to smoke a cigar that size for an hour and 50 minutes. If it wasn't constructed. Well, I mean, I've, I smoke everybody's cigars. People ask me and I just smoked a cigar today. It was a Robusto. It was a five by 50. I smoked slow and actually a Robusto of mine usually lasts about an hour and five minutes. I smoked this cigar in 19 minutes and like 35 seconds. And I would be pissed if I would have bought that cigar because I didn't get what I should have gotten. I got a, a 20 minute cigar that retails for $11, which is about $3 more than any of my Robustos that smoke for an hour and 10 minutes. And the cigar is not supposed to burn straight down. It's supposed to burn in a 360 degree radius. And if you funnel that tobacco, you can make it burn slower and get a lot more out of it. It'll not only burn cooler, you'll taste the blend better and you'll get a lot more enjoyment. You'll get a lot more bang for your buck. And that end of that cigar, there was no, like we, I mean, it's very common and it's, it's not a knock against a lot of manufacturers for cigars to burn hot for that bitterness to settle in because of the tar and natural buildup of smoking a cigar. It wasn't like that. And that, that's an experience that you get with every Perdomo cigar. The ones that uh, all the hundreds that I've smoked. So I, I, I opened up this, this one that I showed at the top of the show, I wanted to see if we can get some of that. You can see the yellowing of the cellophane because I kept the label in there so you could see that's that label is still white. That label hasn't changed, but that's the cellophane with all those oils and the grease that you were talking about earlier. And I took a, I took a draw, a dry draw for of this, Nick, and the sweetness that's coming off this 10 year age Perdomo uh, Exhibition is so rich. It's like pralines, man. It is unbelievable I, i'm so excited to light this up this is fantastic that 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 actually barry and you hit it right on the head you got a good palate that that has three leaves of three different sectors of tobacco that we have from the jalapa valley which is very sweet and aromatic type tobacco together with that wrapper and you're going to taste some sweet earthiness and some spice that cigar is very old so it was a three-quarter cigar we called you know more more full body 
it's probably going to be a medium bodied cigar, depending how you stored it, because all those oils and resins and grease where you hit it right on the head evaporated into the cellulose and that cellophane tube. That cigar is going to be very smooth, but it's going to be a little milder than what I wanted it to be when it came out. Because you got to remember those tobaccos when I had when I made that particular cigar, they were about 60 months old. So you oh, have wow. that cigar for you have that cigar for 10 years. That tobacco has been sitting in that tube for about 15 years. So um, it'll probably be a little more milder. Um, but a lot of guys like those types of cigars. I'm sure it's extremely smooth. And um, but you know, the job of a great manufacturer is to make sure that he cures his tobacco, ferments his tobacco, and ages his tobacco to perfection. Once that cigar is made and properly constructed that that cigar marries in flavor between the light, medium, and strong tobaccos, or what we call Seco Viso and Lieto, together with the binder and the wrapper. And that takes approximately about 180 to 190 days for that cigar to really zero in and lock in to what we wanted that cigar to taste like and blend. So if the cigar probably doesn't have enough power, it's because it's 15 years old. But it probably has some, still has some richness to it because of the Nicaraguan tobacco that it has in there. It'll be very smooth. It'll probably be a, a little bit lighter than the Habano, but you'll probably taste a little more sweet nuances in that cigar. Uh, just taking a couple puffs off this, Nick, you, it's unbelievable. The flavor is still there. This is 10 years in my humidor. Um, I'm a big aging nerd. Our audience knows that Coop knows this. Holy cow. I mean, just a couple puffs and I mean, the richness is there. Like you said, it's a lot smoother than what I remember from when they were first out. Um, like you just described, um, I'm thrilled I'm lighting this up. Holy cow. <laughs> I know I'm just a couple I'm puffs glad, in. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it, but believe it or not, 10 years ago, it was better. Um, you know, like I said earlier, my job is to cure, ferment, age, and make the right construction of that cigar. Your job is when you buy a box of Pernoma cigars, that cigar is really bursting with the flavors and the tobacco core that it was designed to taste like mm -hmm. by our tasting panel and our blenders, but I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great job there. All right. Uh, one more cigar question, then I have some quick hit things that are not cigar related. Sure. And if um, anybody has any questions out there that are listening, yeah, I'm glad man. guys you stayed up yeah, late. Man, I, I'd be glad to. Yeah, I know yeah. we're keeping you a long time, Nick, and we appreciate you. No, no, no. I'm I'm here. Hey, listen, we got 40 guys out there listening just on on Facebook Live, and I'm sure we got a lot of other people that I'm here for I'm here to to, to to satisfy everybody who's staying up late to listen. I got no problem with that. Th thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. So Nick, a lot of we're asking a lot of our guests this because there's a lot of controversy in the industry right now. Um, you're hearing from the PCA this concept of responsible marketing. Um, this marketing that, you know, construed that could be uh, dangerous to the industry, uh, marketing towards kids, et cetera. Perdomo, not, uh, that's not a Perdomo issue. And, you know, one thing I like about Perdomo is it's, there's nothing gimmicky about Perdomo, right? It, it is what you see is what you're getting. Uh, it's very traditional, old school, and yet has a contemporary elegance. But Nick, does this concern you right now that there's there's these rebels out there that are doing things that could put the industry in jeopardy? Absolutely, because we don't market the kids and the politicians are coming after us every single day. And uh, when you see stuff like this, it, it, it's certainly not helpful. Um, even though there's no kids that are buying cigars, they're just too expensive and we ID and 
and so on. But again, I don't believe that it should be 21. I believe it should be 18. When I joined the military, I had a, an Thank M16 you. wrapped around me at 18. I don't think, why can't I smoke a cigar? One of the great things that we did in boot camp is we did a thing called smoke and coke. And I couldn't afford really good cigars, but, you know, I went to the, uh, to the PX and I bought, you know, a, a little thing of Swisher sweets. And that's what I could afford. They were $1.90 back in 1983. But it was a joy for me to light up a cigar there with all the stress that we had during boot camp. And back in the good old days in the eighties, we could smoke cigars up in the tower. I was near traffic control. And I remember when I was in Navy Mayport, I would you know, smoke a little Robusto or a Toro and enjoy it while I was doing my air traffic gig. And whether I was in the radar sector, I'd always have a cigar and I got to smoke them. Uh, so I don't think, I don't think 21 is a really good thing. If you can serve your country at 18, I think you could, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm out of line, but I think you can have a beer and I think you can have a cigar if you want. If you can serve your country and, and, and shoot a machine gun, I think it's it's hideous that we have to wait to 21 for for a guy to be able to enjoy his first cigar. I was I was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, at Open Door Cigar prior to this law, and it was great seeing all these kids from the University of Arkansas coming in and enjoying enjoying a you know a great cigar with their dads and and so on. And um, it's sad that we've had to move that age up, and it's sad that we have this packaging with you know cookies and crackers or whatever that do kids even though the kids aren't smoking them in reality and i'm a i'm an entrepreneur and a capitalist i think you can should be able to do whatever you want i think it's bad when the government is coming after us especially now soup the nuts why bring more attention to yourself when you don't really have to and just follow the rules i try my best i might not agree with someone but i do try to follow them Bear and I have been very outspoken on on the whole tobacco twenty one thing. We think it was terrible. One hundred percent. I had two of yeah. my sons, uh, Nick, lose a, lose their right to purchase tobacco for a short time. They both went out over twenty one. Not that they were huge cigar smokers, but they lost that right. You know, it didn't it, matter. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't matter. You know, exactly. It was taken away from them. Um, it really was, and you know when I like I have a I have a a, a company store. It's packed all the time. And I hate the idea these young kids who are coming with their fathers and they're 19 years old. And I said, well, I can't sell you a cigar. You're 19. And the kid says, well, one of the kids says, well, I've been in the Marine Corps for one year. And I said, I know, son, and thank you for your service. I respect it. I'm, I serve my country. And it's crazy. When I was your age, I was smoking cigars in the, yeah. in the 80s. But, you know, I have to follow the law because I have to keep my tobacco license. So I choose to follow it and I have to follow it. But uh, it doesn't make any sense to me to to do that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I got a problem with that. But what can you do? I got a problem with quite a few of the laws from this administration. But what can you do? They can spank you. They got us, they got us over 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 a barrel right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and look, I can tell you, Nick, I'm not trying to brag you. The FDA has and, and members of Congress have access to the Cigar Coop website. We, we, I've seen, you know, I can see where it's coming from. Uh, in fact, we were in one Senate uh, hearing thing even referenced. Nothing bad, but I do know they look at the stuff that's out online. I'm sure it's not just me, but other people. So, yeah. um, you know, we want to be responsible in what's out there. Um, and, and I made a decision that was unpopular to, to not cover that stuff anymore because, frankly, it's just – you know, it's not going to do any good. It's not going to do, it's not going to keep me, it's going to, if I, if, if that's so sad that I could be at risk for maybe, they say, hey, no more, no more websites, you know, 
Um, Absolutely. And you look, you look at guys like Arthur, every time he designs something, he's really looks at his responsibility to make sure that it doesn't market anything for, for young people or being a, you know, whatever, looking too cool or whatever, because he he's cognizant about the law and following the law and doing things right. And uh, I think he does a phenomenal job in in the packaging of oh, our absolutely. products. I, absolutely. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I might be prejudiced, but I think he's the best in the industry when it comes to packaging. I always look when I go in the store, and I might be prejudiced because it's got my last name, but I always find the Perdomo section to be almost appetizing whether it be the oils or the wrappers, but it's, it's the packaging is always just sound. And our great salesmen who fold those shelf talkers where everything looks just so beautifully. I, I get fired up when I see a beautifully merchandised store and seeing the consumers and how easy it, it is for them to shop and to buy our products and just to see how squared away everything looks. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Absolutely. Nick, I, I want to ask this question and I want to be, I want to be very, I'm going to preface it because I want to be very careful and I want you to know that my opinion is that it's not. Um, okay. So I want to be very careful with that. Um, sure. But um, you, you mentioned earlier that you have, you as a company have decided to retire a very longstanding brand in Nick Sticks, which has yeah. a very, let's call it fun, more animated uh, label and branding was that was did that go into the decision at all or was it simply it, so another fact was that a factor at all in that decision i'm just i'm just curious no, no 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 not at all because the logo was our first logo when i first started my company on flagler street in miami it was called the little havana blend which is we we, we stayed true to it it was it was solely a business decision because we wanted to make sure that people got Perdomo 20th people got Perdomo 10 beer Duro, sun grown and champagne we wanted to make sure that everybody got Perdomo Habano and these lines retire, retiring them was, it was a great decision. It was a decision that Arthur and I and made. And we did that because we wanted the, the best for our consumers and retailers. And sometimes the low hanging fruit has to be cut to make sure that all the, the bigger, more stronger brands are out there where the masses smoke them. And we're proud of each and every one of those brands, but can you envision that, I had one brand like Perdomo Reserve Champagne or 10th Anniversary Maduro for that matter or Sun Grown 20th, where one or two SKUs outsold 15 SKUs of three different wrappers. I got to make sure that I stock the shelves of our retailers. And I got to make sure that when our consumers go to the Perdomo section, there's not empty boxes, but there's full boxes and they want to buy a box of cigars, they can get them. And that's a determination that we made and I, and I stand by and I think it was a great determination. And, and what's happened is these sales continue catapulting on our core brands and Coop hit it right on the head. Core brands are everything. 12 year double age vintage is always going to be a limited release because of the, because of the barrel aging of the fillers, binders and wrappers and having that tobacco certified to be consistent through those years. So that I have to stay true to my word on that. And, uh, that's why Arthur actually handpicks all the retailers. And, um, and that's the reason, look, today our salesmen call on each and every call when they go into the retail stores, show pictures of the display to make sure that the retailers have their displays up. And, and, and the retailers that, that continue merchandising, and you can ask any of them that are on here, it works. We certainly don't do that to, to tell them how to run their business or to add an extra box. It's, 
for them to be successful and for us to be successful. And we show them every year, our salesmen on Power BI, why this works. And it's, it's a great thing because the cigar business overall has been kind of in the ice ages in a lot of, in a lot of instances. And we haven't had an ice age for 70,000 years. So uh, we have to, we have to continue to move things that I want our brick and mortar stores to be more and more successful. It's not about what you jam in a human or it's how you, you present it. You know, if you go to Louis Vuitton or Gucci or Ketone or Zanya, you always notice that everything is perfectly done. Even in a supermarket, if you look at the McCormick rack, it's the same where you are in Dallas or where Coop mm-hmm. is in Charlotte or where I'm in Miami, it's uniform. <laughs> and those supermarkets are the Coca-Cola display. That's the reason those brands are so successful. And I think that's the reason why our brands are. If I can tell you a quick story, when we repackaged Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age, 63% of our retailers said, yes, we will do this. 37% of our retailers said, do not tell us how to run our business, which we certainly don't do. You, How much of my business was lost in 2009 by losing 30% of my retailers, in your opinions, both of you guys. It's a question I ask you guys. So 37% of my retailers did merchandise, and we said, well, we're not going to sell you the brand because we're not going to sell it to you wrong. We're not going to sell it to you incorrectly, and we're not going to sell it to you for you to fail for you and your consumer. So I lost 37% of my accounts on that particular brand the first year. Did I, I say how much you, sales I- you didn't lose. I say you net gained 10%. I would say same thing. Net gain yeah, 10%. How about, how about we net gained almost 67%? Wow. On that. Jesus. Wow. Because those guys turn the products over so quick compared to what they did by having a shop, a mosh, you know, a mosh pit of two and three cigars where it looks so sloppy that they end up doing it. And I said, this really works. If you look at brands like Tostitos, they used to have three bags. They went to four, 36 inches. They increased their sales by $81 million. And the retailers that really listen, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. I'm certainly not perfect, but I learned from billion dollar companies. I learned not from fortune 500 companies. I learned from fortune 100 companies and it works for them. It sure is going to work in the cigar store. And um, now probably 85% of the retailers do it. 85% that do do it are very happy to do it. Sometimes they get sloppy and, uh, and we fix it for them and, they thank us for it, and they, they see their cash registers buzzing faster. And that's what that's what it's all about. It's the repetition of the turns. It's about moving product. It's about having back stocks so people that want to buy boxes can have them. It's not about hobbyists. It's about professional retailers and professional tobaccos. And thankfully, we have a lot of them. And we have some excellent retailers out there. And we have a lot of young retailers out there that really care about what they're doing and are really, really catapulting their sales. And we're glad that we can be helpful in doing it. Nick, I love I love all the conversations that we've been privileged to have with you over the last couple of years and have you on this show because my privilege. Thank you for for having me. It's my privilege. Not your privilege. My privilege. But every time we talk, every time we talk and Coop will tell you this. He actually mentioned to me when after we met with you at the Great Smoke and he's like, when we were going to have you on again, I said, you know, I, I commented him and he'll 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 verify this. I was like, you know, I said, I love talking to Nick. Because I said some of the same times, like even some of the things you say and that you said a couple of times, it, they, they resonate differently every time. And it's yeah. it, it, I love listening to news stories. I love listening to the same old stories every time. 
you talk, you're one of the few people in the industry that I could listen to like on a, on a, on repeat, but I want to return the subject to Nick sticks for just one second. Cause it took me again, rekindled memory of my smoking experience of your scars. I remember standing outside of my, um, my college fraternity meeting and I would, I had left college by that time. They, they'd welcome back the alumni at that point. So it was about 2000 and 2009. And one of my proudest moments of being, young in this industry, one of my early stints in activism was, was rounding up uh, 150, 150 consumers to call their congressmen in and call the White House in opposition to the S-chip bill. And I remember I was standing outside this, my fraternity meeting, and one of, one of the kids uh, at the time comes out, and he's like, what are you smoking? I said, I'm smoking a Nick stick. And he's like, what's that? And I started telling him about, he's like, well, why do you smoke why, why do you smoke that? Is it, is it really good? I said, it is very good. And I said, but I, I said, I support Perdomo cigars. I said, because of the S chip bill. And he's like, what's the S chip bill. And so I gave him a little educational lesson. I said, I said, I said, the, the man behind this and the family behind this uh, completely, you know, they were anti against it, just like all of us in the industry. And I said, but they, they, they refused. They absolutely refused. And they, they absorbed the tax and they they passed the savings on to the customer and said we're not going to we're not going to raise our prices one cent because of this uh, unjust tax. And uh, I said I'm I'm a, I'm a customer for life. And 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 that was ten over ten years ago. And I, I here I am true to my word because I'll always smoke Perdomo, uh, not just because of the quality of, of the cigars. Obviously that we've been talking a lot about that tonight. But your your uh, your responsibility and to the consumer to me. Yeah. as a smoker um, has earned my loyalty for life. Yeah. And I think I know a lot of people obviously feel that way that are tuning in tonight. Thank you, Bear, for noticing that. You know, the S-chip bill is a very punitive bill that the Obama administration put in in 2008 that took our exports from our imports from 4.2 cents to 40.3 cents. It was a bitter pill. Uh, I sat down with Arthur Kemper and our staff and we decided we were going to absorb the S-chip bill. Of course, our accounting firm was very angry about it. And I said, look, guys, we're a debt-free company. It's surely better to make a quick nickel and a slow dime. All my competitors are going to increase that 40 cents. And those cigars are going to cost a buck more. Today, gross margin is important, but market share is even more important. And I think that the retailers are going to appreciate it and our consumers are. So we've, we absorbed the S-chip bill in 2008. And we're in 2022, and we still absorb the S-chip bill. And I'm proud of that. Our margins have dwindled. Not only did we absorb the S-chip bill, we actually dropped the price of, of a couple of our most profitable brands or our best-selling brands, which was Perdomo Reserve Champagne and Lot 23. And we brought those prices down to 2005 levels, believe it or not. We had to grow the business by 22% just to break even. And with that tax, the industry only grew 2%. We grew over 100% that year by doing that. So our retailers and our consumers stayed true and true to the company. We made the right decision. It's a bit, it was a bitter pill because you got to make sure that you pay your employees. You got to make sure you pay their bonuses. It made it tough for all of us, but we all pulled the same way. At the end, it was the right decision to do. And we're proud that we still do it again. And we're talking, you know, 12 years later, we're, 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 we're still doing it, you know, and, and I'm proud. And we're going to continue to absorb the S-chip tax. We're the only cigar company in the industry that does it. 
and I'm proud that we do it. A lot of times it hurts us because our prices are lower. We're, you know, the sweet spot today is probably eight and nine dollars, and we still have a lot of cigars that are in the seven, eight dollar price range. We have some cigars that cost four and five dollars. So we've been able to build a broad basis of people in the Perdomo umbrella that, that can be, you know, from a college student to a rich guy who's cheap or somebody who wants to who wants to reach. You know, I mean, my most expensive cigar is $14.99. And my dad always said hogs get slaughtered. And, you know, I went to, I, I speak at the Churchill dinner all the time. It's a very prestigious event in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And Bob Lux, who was the president of GM, said, you know, I love your cigars. And I assumed he was smoking, you know, some of our high-end cigars. And he said, I love your Lot 23. And I was like, the guy's a billionaire. And, and he said, look, I, you can raise it to $30 if you want. You know why I like it? Because it's great. It's a great cigar. I smoke 20th anniversary. I smoke champagne. I can smoke cigars that cost three times as much, and I have. They're just not as good. And what's great, that's the greatest compliment you can get when people enjoy your cigars regardless of price. And we do have great price points. And again, we're all cognizant about people and their pockets, especially today with inflation, um, your money being worth less, gas prices are going through the roof. Um, we haven't seen anything like this since the Jimmy Carter years. Yep. Um, the last 16 months have been horrible for the United States. And people are struggling right now. And we're cognizant about that. You know, um, one of the things I'm proud of, I've been in business for 30 years. I've had 14 price increases in 30 years. Most people that have been in business for 30 years have had a minimum of 30 price increases. Yep. Um, there's, there's guys now that are going, they're going to add two and three price increases just this year. I understand it. I understand they have debt service, they have advertising costs, they have all kinds of costs that they have, and things are getting tough. Uh, we choose that we're not going to do. We had a, a minimal price increase of about 3.8%. It was nothing. We did it to offset the minimum price increases that we had in Nicaragua. We're probably going to make less margin than we made in 2021, but we're going to choose to hold our horses we're blessed that we're debt free. We're going to take care of our salesmen this year, whether, you know, we want them to hit their bonus structure the best they can, but they're not going to lose money. And I know they're working hard with, with what's happening with inflation and so on. And we know our retailers are having to work harder too to be able to sell the same amount of products. David Garofalo told me the story just recently. He had a customer that, you know, bought a couple boxes of cigars every week and he bought 10 and he asked him why. And he said, well, Putting gas in my truck is costing me $250 a week more. That's where it's eating my boxes. Do I put gas in my truck to work or do I buy boxes of cigars? And yeah. we, you know, that, that stays in our heads. So again, I follow the principle that it's better to make a quick nickel than a slow dime. Hogs get slaughtered. And when people are struggling, we can't be pigs. We got to be we got to be understanding of people's strikes and what they're doing. And uh, a lot of a guy told me yesterday, he said, you know, you're for the, you're for everybody. I guess I am. But the truth of the matter is I want everybody to be able to enjoy a Perdomo cigar. And we're choosing to take it up. We're, we're taking it on the chin. I'm not lying to you because I'm making margins right now in 2022, that it was equivalent to 2007 and that's wrong. But um, you can't be greedy in times where people are struggling. I really believe that. And I also believe that people have long memories and are going to thank us for that in the future. 
And uh, I know our retailers are, and I, I know our consumers are, and, and our new and future consumers are going to appreciate it too, because they're going to save a lot of money and in most instances get even a better cigar. So that's important to us. Very, that's great. That is great. We thank you for that a lot. Um, I no, and, and I thank guys, you know, I see Brian Waters on here. He's a great retailer out of Fayetteville, Arkansas and open at, at, at you know, at Open Door Cigars, and he does a phenomenal job. And he's a guy who's been who's come to my factory tour multiple times with consumers, and he follows the mantra because he cares about his consumers. He came from law enforcement, and he's a guy that I could have speak in a sales meeting because he has great business acumen, and it's nice. Him and his wife run a phenomenal store, and they do a phenomenal job, and it's great because they listen. They not only listen to different manufacturers, but they listen to their consumers. And if every retailer was like a Brian Waters or a David Garofalo or a Dan Squally or Martin McHale, and I could go on and on, we could never produce enough cigars in reality. And, you know, and, and I thank not only the owners, I thank all those store clerks that, that pushed our products. I was just recently in a store and the owner, and this has happened to me more than once. He said, I'm kind of pissed at you. And I said, why is that? He said, you always talk to the guys behind the counter. You ignore me. I said, I'm not ignoring you. I thank you because you write the checks. But those guys are the ones who are in the store day in and day out. And they can push anything they want. And whether you're, if you were an owner operator, I'd be with you probably at first, but you're not. And those are the guys that push my cigars. So I want to talk to them first. Don't all the owners do it? He said, no, all the, all the owners talk to me first and kind of ignore them. And I said, well, I'm glad they're my competitors because in reality, the guys that are working behind the counters are the ones who are selling your cigars. I didn't build the brand. My workers built the brand. Our retailers built the brand. And all those cigar smokers out there built our brand. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm also pinpoint razor sharp on top of that, knowing that and thankful for that and humbled by that. You know, when I first started in the retail business, Nick, I, I, I worked for, for Perry Tong, uh, the late Perry Tong over at Pop Safari in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Perry. And, uh, and then I had the privilege of working for Mike Peacock, as we mentioned a couple of times tonight. And, you know, when I first started working for Mike, you know, he, 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 you know, he told me about his great friendship and, with you. And I saw that witness. I witnessed that firsthand. And I thought that was really I thought that was really special. And then as I've got over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of retailers and you've mentioned a lot of great ones tonight. And you have that same, that same friendship, not just relationship. It's not just business. It is very much personal too. Um, you have that same friendship with a lot of them. And it, I, I think, you know, for, for anyone tonight that might be listening or maybe listening later that is a retailer and maybe doesn't have that close relationship with you. I think that's got to, that has to, that has, I mean, that's, it's got to inspire them to 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 bring in Perdomo because they can not just have a great business relationship, but eventually have a great friendship with yeah. you, too, because you'll continue to support them like you've supported everyone you've named tonight and more. Like you said, you left some great ones out, too. So, oh, I did. I left a lot of great ones out. There's thousands of them. Um, I'm, we're blessed to have them. Yeah, that's great. You know, Nick, um... Thank you, Barry. You, you know, one of the great things about doing shows like this is not only how organized you guys are, but the great questions. Um, you know, I usually get, how did, was it starting out of the garage? It's great to be able to look in the future, see the problems that 
that people are having and, and being able to do a lot of Q and A's and seeing so many guys on, on the show today. It's, uh, it's very humbling to me and seeing a lot of our guys on our workforce tuning in. Um, I think they have a lot of pride in their company and I, I don't, I don't take that lightly when, when, when guys could be, you know, sitting with their families and are sitting listening to our podcast or for any of you guys, uh, consumers or retailers that are listening to me speaking and taking your time off. I want to thank each and every one of you for that. Yeah. We thank you as well, Nick. Like I said, it's not taken for granted. We know this is personal time. And uh, I say this to everybody, but, you know, it, it is not taken for granted. We really appreciate Well, I love it. So don't worry about it. It's my privilege. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nick, one thing I really loved, uh, like, and I've gotten to know you more and more, and, and we've kind of had some text messages, particularly during the football season. And, uh, you know, we, were, we, were, we talked a lot about some of the offseason stuff. But I didn't ask you this question. The Dolphins have a new football coach, Mike McDaniel. Uh, what did you think of the hire? I don't know much about him, but I like giving young guys a shot. I liked it. Look, I wasn't crazy about the previous coach. I, mean, we I talked think about he, that. Yeah, I think he really and you wanted him with the Giants, and you I told you a lot of stuff. You talked me off the ledge. Yeah, and and I did you a big favor, believe it or not. Um, uh, <laughs> you, you have to you have to let your younger players grow, and um, he didn't do that. And you have to let your younger employees grow in business and. Um, you got to give a young guy a shot. I like the moves that the Dolphins made. I like to see them get uh, Treader from Cleveland as a center. They're they're off. I mean, Tua literally had less than two seconds to throw the ball, and you got to have an offensive line. You got to have a running game, and you got to give the guy some weapons. I saw him at the University of Alabama. You know, my daughter went there, and I'm a booster at the school, and I love the University of Alabama. And um, I saw what that kid could do. Not only is he a great kid. He, I think he's going to be a great quarterback. I think he he had a lot of bad luck. He had two 330-pound linemen land on his hip. Very rarely has that happened. He had his ankle sewed, and he went to play. Um, he's a tough kid. He's a good kid, and I think he's going to have a great year this year. And I think the Dolphins are going to see their investment. So I'm, I'm excited about what's happening with the Dolphins. I'm also excited about the University of Miami, which is another school that I really follow a lot. Big, big of. Crystal Ball a great yeah, big hire. They hired great offensive coaches. They finally put money in it into the program, and I think the U is back. And I'm excited about seeing them. And I'm also excited about what's happening with the University of Alabama. I think those two programs are going to be up and you know when we know Alabama already, but I think Miami's going to be an up and coming program. Uh, um, it, it's an exciting time in football, especially for college, which I'm more of a fan of. And uh, I love seeing these young guys who give 100%. I just got tickets to the Alabama-Texas A&M game. I'm blessed enough that the president of the university and Joe Messina, the, the dean of arts and science, invited me for the game to stay at, in, in, at their box. And actually, I get to stay in their loft with my family. So uh, Stella's going to watch her, her first football game with Grandpa in October. So I'm excited about that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Alabama's going to put a kick in the A&M. Sorry for my my Texas A&M fans, because I love the state of Texas and I love our consumers in Texas. I just came back from Texas, but uh, I'm excited about uh, college football and I'm excited about the Miami Dolphins right now. How about you with your Giants? Well, I, you know, the, I'll just say to see uh, the coach, 
um, just a little family thing, is a is basically a double for my son-in-law. My son-in-law looks exactly like the Dolphins coach. Uh, the Dolphins, <laughs> do you Giants like coach. your son-in-law? Giants coach. I do like my son-in-law. <laughs> Good. I like so, mine too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. And actually, it's funny. Uh, I texted I, I texted a picture. Of my, 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 my son-in-law is a Giants fan, even though he lives in South Carolina. That was like kind of how my daughter sold him. Uh, my daughter's a big Giants fan. So I sent my daughter a picture of the Giants coach. He's like, don't start. Everyone's texting me about this already. That's uh, funny. Uh, so I, I, uh, I liked – I didn't think we had a – look, I, I think we had a good draft. I didn't think we had a, a, a spectacular draft, but it was a weaker draft class. So um, from that you guys got Evan. You guys got Evan Neal. I like, I like that pick. Um, I, really I love know. that pick. I love I, that pick. Yeah. Uh, Thibodeau. I thought maybe a little high, but he's going to fit in with New York well. So uh, I think I can see why they drafted this guy. They needed kind of a charismatic guy uh, on the Giants. Uh, they need some good They need some good soldiers in there. So um, it's going to take two years at least. We have a new regime in there. Uh, but um, so far, I'm positive on it um, as far as that goes. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna but I think we're looking at 2023 before we see anything. It's we got to be realistic too on that. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, w- was it a tough pill to swallow? Uh, the loss to Georgia. Uh, Georgia was really good this year. It was a tough pill to swallow because <clears throat> we kicked their asses in the in in in, in the playoff game, and yeah. we just got decimated. We got decimated with with injuries. I think Georgia was a great team. Yeah. I would have liked to see Alabama at full strength playing Georgia at full strength. That would have been a great game, but playing all freshman wide receivers and, you know, and a lot of the hits on the offensive line and, and the linebacker core. Um, I was hoping, you know, one of the traditions at Alabama's um, the players smoke a nice Perdomo cigar after a win. And unfortunately we didn't get it, but you know, one of the things about saving this next man up and um, I think they're going to come back strong and roaring and uh, for next year, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, I got to. I'm excited about getting football back in there too. You know, yeah. I'm more of a college. I'm more of a college fan for obvious reasons. I didn't like some of the things previously, but um, I want to see football. I don't want to see advocacy and what you believe. Exactly. We all have our own beliefs. I want to see good football, and and the reason I like the college games so much is the the kids play so hard. And I, I'm not a big fan of this NIL stuff where they're. I was going to ask you about that, Nick, because yes. because you always talk about how you're a capitalist. So I was I was I wanted to get your take on this. Well, I think that look, I didn't go to college because my parents couldn't afford it, and I think it's a blessing when everything's paid for you, including food, and you have the opportunity to go into the NFL. I am a capitalist, but guys signing two and three million dollar contracts and they're 19 and 20 years old. And uh, I think the NCAA is, is useless right now because of this. And even even Nick Saban has talked about it. And um, listen, I'm selfish. I mean, Alabama's got all the money in the world. The University of Miami with Ruiz is throwing big money at players. And it's going to turn programs around. But some of the colleges that have a good football culture that maybe earns smaller states and smaller towns, it builds a really unfair um, – thing I, I college was about playing for college about getting an education and so on and i think we're going to lose that even more and more again so 
the jury's still out. I'm not really crazy about it. Now it'd be interesting to hear what 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 the, what the people think out there. I just think it's a blessing that your college is paid for, uh, your food's paid for, you're a superstar in the campus, you get all the girls. It's a pretty good gig, you know what I mean? When you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, I know you guys went to college, you probably had to struggle. People have college loans. Um, a lot of my guys had just paid mine off. Just paid mine yeah. off. I'm freaking yeah. excited. I got yeah. one more. Yeah. Yeah. My, my yeah. third, my third yeah. just graduated uh, in the past week, so one more to go. And I'm done yeah. Well, I, I I put I put two through college and put one through law school, so I got to sell a lot more cigars out yeah. there to pay for that college tuition. But yeah. Bear helped me with all the with all the Pernoma cigars he smoked. Thank you, Bear. You probably paid for at least a couple semesters there. So thanks for that. Maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, maybe at least one, at least one semester. I think I was good for at least one. Yeah. Of um, course. No, but speaking of the NIL, like I, that was one of the, I know this isn't your team, but I, 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 I was really, I was really touched by um, uh, George Karlaftis, the, uh, the first round pick, one of the first round picks for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a defensive end out of Purdue. He got uh, it wasn't disclosed how much at the time, but they, they were talking about it at the draft. He took uh, he, he earned a uh, NIL um, payout from from somebody. Again, I can't remember how much or who it was from, but he took all that money and he donated a charity. hundred percent of it. I was, that was that was really cool. That was really cool. I was really it was, I, it was a nice I, story. I, I, I think it's I think it's phenomenal. I mean, one of the things that we're proud of and, and I got to give a lot of credit to my wife, Janine, is. We've been really into philanthropy. I think God has been good with us, and we've co-chaired several charities, whether it be diabetes or whether it be heart research, cancer, uh, remitite and pigmentosis. We've had friends who've lost eyesight. Um, one of the things is about giving back, and uh, I'm proud that, that we've done it. I'm proud of a lot of the cigar makers that have done a lot of different things to, to help out. I've, I believe in charity to be quiet and not really mention it much but sometimes you got to mention it to raise more money and i get it but yeah. uh you know prior to obama shellacking us with with you know donating cigars to our soldiers i mean uh, i was proud of keith meyer the, the previous owner of cigars international him and i gave a tremendous amount of cigars to our troops you know i served our country and i was proud of that and it's a shame that we today, even Wounded for Warriors, we can't give away cigars to our guys. That's one of the greatest things they have when they're out in the Middle East. They can't have women. They can't have alcohol. Cigars are a really important thing. I, I actually have a collage of pictures of servicemen from Desert Storm 1 that have pictures of Perdomo cigars, whether they be in tanks, on aircraft carriers, and so on. And oh, wow. I, 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 had a, I had a letter written to me from a guy who said, you know, I wanted to kill myself. And I was severely depressed and I was sitting in a bunker and a guy said, try this. It was one of your cigars. I never smoked a cigar and I smoked it and I took my time. I ended up getting sick, but I relaxed so much and it talked me out of killing myself. And I mean, I still have that letter and it shows how cigar smoking is relaxing and it can do a lot of good things too. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I, Powerful yeah. story. I agree. Um, Nick, one other thing that you and I connected on um, is on music. And, and you and I have an affinity for a band, Tears for Fears. And my question to you is, have you heard the new album yet? 
I haven't heard the complete album, but uh, the one song um, and uh, uh, that he wrote about his wife, the yeah. tipping, uh, the tipping Typical. point. That's the name of the album too. It's the title track. Yeah, that song is phenomenal. Yes, that song is phenomenal. I'm a huge Roland Orzabal fan, and I'm actually going to see Tears for Fears. I think in July they're playing here in Miami, and anytime I can, I can see them. I do. I'm a huge fan. I think their music is phenomenal. I remember the whole family went to Bath, England. I was, I was telling Nicholas, I said, man, maybe we'll run into Roland Orzabal because I, I, My wife and Bath. I tried to find him in, in Bath 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, we, I, I did the same thing, uh, Coop, and I'm, I'm a huge fan. I just, their music is so deep. Yeah. You know, I'm a musician, I'm a drummer, and, um, you know, they're just one of the most underrated bands ever in my opinion, they're, they're great. And then there's a lot of bands I love, but uh, man, I'm a huge tears for fears fan. I really am. Yeah, no, they are. I, you'll, yeah. I think you'll really like the, I think it's one of the best albums they've done. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. I'm glad you told me that. Um, I thought the tipping point, the song was, was phenomenal. And, you know, a lot of times my wife and I will, we'll sit on, on, on the balcony. We'll smoke cigars together, have a nice cocktail and just listen to, it's a great music and it, it really relaxes me. So yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Tears for Fears yeah. fan. Yeah. And I think uh, I've seen, I've seen them about eight times in concert. Um, never, it's always a top notch concert. So, um, I think you'll, but I'm really curious this time around because they're going to be doing material from the new album and I want to hear how it's going to sound live. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy the album. I heard it, it's out. So I'm going to get it yeah, because yeah, I want to. I highly and, and, I, and I like and I like to support the bands. I don't really download it. I, I buy it, yeah. then I record it, and then I put it on my on my stuff and I listen to it. Yeah, I, I yeah. actually got it too. So uh, it's you know. It's How's the album? You like the you like the album? It's it's the best album of 2022 for sure, hands down. Oh great! I'm it's, glad. It's, Tomorrow it's, I'm getting it. Yeah, I think you'll. I'm curious on your feedback on it. I think you. I know Nicholas is a fan as well, and I think he both is. you guys will really. Like, you know, they don't do a lot of albums. They haven't done an album since 2004, a full album. So they you're take, right. They take their time on it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, this, if you go on, like, there's a bunch of interviews they've done. They really promoted this album smart, too. And it, it first week they hit number one on the charts. Um, which, oh, good. Yeah, so, I'm, re I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, the this, this, you know, this, you know, changing the subject real quick. Um, this is going to be a tumultuous year in cigars because of, of the economy being so bad right now. And, uh, hopefully the midterms change things around, but you know, we got, we got another five months. It's just, it's just crazy. What's, what's happening right now. I don't want to get too political because I don't, I don't really like politics too much. You know, I was in it, but, um, you know, the things that are happening and, 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 um, you know, what Russia's doing and so on. I, I hope things change, but, uh, and listen, we, we, have, we have great partners in Russia with cigars. Not every Russian is bad, too, believe it or not. I mean, it, it's not. So a lot of great Russian people who love to enjoy the leaf, too, like us. And yeah. they have to pay a lot of money. Russia is probably the most expensive market for buying cigars right now. So you have to basically multiply everything by eight. And they have a lot of restrictions. And the Russian people really have to struggle to be able to enjoy a cigar. So, I bet. Um, you know, I, I look at that, too. You know what I mean? There's good people everywhere, you know. Yeah. Uh, where my family comes from, Cuba, not everybody's a communist. There's a lot of great Cuban people who don't support this regime that, that they have there, too. You know, so. Yeah, but, my, uh, 
Yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, Coop, if I may, I think this will segue into the next fun segment. I promised Gracie uh, Rodriguez, who's tuning in, this question. She's asked it a couple times. Nick, you mentioned earlier about your service in politics. I was on your bucket list. Yes. Uh, Gracie's wanting to know: Is there, uh, like you said, you've accomplished a lot in your life? Is there what's what's next? You know, you recently became a grandfather. What's next on the What's next on the bucket list? Well, I think Janine and I want to do more traveling. We want to get in a little more philanthropy and helping people that they can't help themselves. <clears throat> we want to do some more stuff in Nicaragua to help out the people in Nicaragua. Um, I just feel that you got to pay back. Uh, I saw her that she she works in, in uh, that she, she's glad that I donate to RP. Uh, she's in the eye business. But we deal a lot with uh, Baskin Palmer here in Miami, Gracie, and uh, I have a very good friend of mine whose sons both got RP and the father ended up getting RP and he ended up going to Harvard law school and passed Harvard law school in Braille and passed the bar in Braille, which was really incredible. And because I'm so much into it, we have 28 employees in Nicaragua that are, that are blind. I'm sure who probably saw them. And I think that people that lose their vision can do a lot of things with their senses. So, we have people that one of the things I, I saw and, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I was watching a TV show when I was in Esteli in my home and they were talking about the high suicide rates with, with people that are blind. And it really bothered me that night. And I, I went to bed and when I got up in the morning, I, I went to the factory and I said, where are some of the blind areas, schools and stuff? I, I want to go. And I told Miguel Rivera, our factory manager, and, I took my truck and I went to one of the schools and, and, and you can imagine these people see darkness 24 hours a day and they become very depressed and um, they can do a lot of things with their fingers. So we have 29 employees now that are completely blind. Most of them work in sorting and, and selecting and they can feel the texture of the tobacco. They can stretch it and know exactly prior to it to it breaking they can use their nose and sense the only thing they can't do is their their eyes and we've been able to train a lot of people in the sorting and selecting facility and another thing too is the grains of wood and how they go we've we've put a lot of people into the standing division and we've brought life to a lot of these people because they've been able to now have jobs and i think that's important and uh we actually have taught a lot of them to and they count so I had one guy, he was, he was walking to the bathroom and I said, if you don't mind me asking, he said, first of all, thank you. I've been with your company for seven years. You gave me an opportunity. And I said, how do you walk to the bathroom? He said, well, for my division, sorting, selecting, it's 57 steps to the left. I have to go to two steps. If I go to the urinal, it's four steps to the left. If I go to number two, it's five steps to the right. And I actually memorized it. And I thought it was... Wow. It's pretty astronomical how he walks to the bathroom by himself. And a kid in our country has a, has an ingrown nail in his thumb and has to call in sick for three days. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, life's all about attitude. And, um, I do, I, I do a lot of that. Uh, I have a friend of mine whose son has diabetes and he has type one and we're going to come to a cure with that. And I'm really big into cancer for young children. And uh, I've been blessed that I've been able to, Janine and I have co-chaired seven different charities. And um, I really don't like to talk about it. I talked about it now because you guys asked me the question. 
my dad always said charity is something you should keep private. But uh, I want to I want to do more philanthropy. I want to help people that can't help themselves and um, or have a disease or so on. So we're, we're getting more active in the philanthropy and I want more grandchildren. So if my son Nicholas is out there listening and my daughter-in-law Lauren are out there listening, please give me more grandchildren. I love it. My dad always said that if he knew how much fun grandchildren were, he would have skipped us. I get it. It's awesome. I, uh, I never, I never leave early for work. I left early for today because my granddaughter, they give her her bath at seven 30. So I left at five 30 or five o'clock. I usually leave at six or six 30. And I had dinner with my granddaughter. My granddaughter, Stella is just so cool, man. She never cries. She's always happy. I don't know if you see the pictures on, yeah. on our Facebook Perdomo page. Gear on her. She's got the Perdomo gear oh, going. Oh yeah. Got yeah. the Perdomo gear. Yeah. yeah. She, but she is so happy. I've gone out to dinner with her. This is probably the 41st time. I've gone there. She's only five months old. She has never cried at dinner. She's always happy and she always looks at her pop up and smiles. And I'm uh I'm like a, a ball of mush when she smiles, to be honest with you. It's 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 great to be a grandfather, and I know Janine um really enjoys it. And uh, we're looking forward to having more grandchildren. We're looking forward to um to to um to you know, enjoying life more. And, you know, listen, <clears throat> when I started my business, I worked seven days a week for 17 and a half straight years, never took a day off. And, uh, the family's due for, for more vacations because my kids were very patient with me building my business. Um, Nicholas is going to Rome with Lauren in August. Um, we're going to catch that Alabama game, the whole family. And I'm, I want to do a cruise with the whole family. And, and invite them all to go out on an oceanic cruise. And, and I'm, I'm really into family, as you guys know, and, and, and the friendship. And uh, I've been blessed. Look, I'm going to be 58 years old. It's, it's time to enjoy life. But I'm still going out and hitting the road as much. And Coop and Bear, I, I got to tell you something. I love this industry today more than I even loved it when I was 27 years old getting into it. And it's just great seeing how my son has blossomed in the business, seeing how our sales staff have really grown, seeing how Arthur's grown and being blessed to have Nelson Cuba run our operations. Him and I have been friends since we were 11 years old. It was probably the toughest hire and seeing how dedicated he is into the business. And, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig said, but I'll say, and I feel like I'm the luckiest man in the world. Honestly, I'm very blessed. Yeah, I yeah. really am. Good for you, Nick. Uh, you know, like I said, it's always yeah. been beautiful following your family over the years. Uh, Thank you. That side of it, it's things I've learned about taking back how I have to interact with my family. So um, it, it's 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 a beautiful side to see, and I mean that sincerely. And that's good. And Coop, I know you were a great son, and uh, you know I know you lost your dad, and, and and my sympathies, but I don't think your dad wants you to suffer. I think your dad wants you to celebrate his life. And uh, when, when, when my dad passed away, I never really got to mourn it because we had the RTDA show at the time. And um, I remember when, when we did the wake, I invited everybody to have lunch because my dad loved everybody to eat and have a good time. And I mourned. It was raining in Esteli. I was by myself in my home. It was pouring in rain. I, was, I got out of my truck and I sat on the curb and I'm sad to say it. 
but I cried like a little kid. And it was the only time I got to mourn. It was great. I was by myself. And yeah. And, yeah, and I got to mourn and it was great. And I got it out and I said, dad, you don't want me to mourn anymore. You want me to celebrate your life. And, um, that's, that's what I did. And it was a blessing for me to do it. And I worked so damn hard because I want to keep the legacy of my father and how much he cared about our consumers and cared about our workers. And my dad taught me a lot. And my dad always said, if you treat your workers good and you treat them like family, nine out of 10 are going to stay loyal to you. And he was right. And I think that's why we have longevity and why we have such great relationships with our workforce, our retailers, and even our consumers. I mean, there's so many guys out there. I see Derek Dukes. He's, you know, he says, I love you, Nick Perdomo and Janine Perdomo. I mean, I have really built some great um, relationships in these 30 years with consumers. And consumers will go out of their way. You know what it is to do a cigar dinner at David Garofalo's place with 150 guys on a Monday night? And a guy said, you know, I flew from Vancouver, you know, British Columbia to Boston and drove two hours just to meet you. I mean, the guy literally was a 12 hour day. And I said, can you do me a favor? He said, what's that? I said, could you sit at my table? He said, are you wow. kidding? I said, are you kidding? It's my honor, my privilege. I mean, my God, anybody who, who would fly 12 hours to come see me and have dinner with me is going to sit at my table. Matter of fact, I'll stand if I have to, but you're sitting at my table. I mean, what a blessing wow. to... <laughs> It is. It's, it's just great. I could I could tell you a, a, a thousand stories, uh, you know, on, on this stuff. You know what I mean? It's it, and it's great to see people, you know, stay up and you know and hear hear this old guy talking. Um, it's it's really a blessing. It really is. I put my glasses on because I can't see so well. So I'm trying to see what people are writing. And uh, Gracie, thanks for hanging out and. And Sam and Derek and all these guys, Brian Waters. It's uh, you know, you, you know how nice it is that Brian Waters is a, is a friend of mine. He's a retailer who got to stay in my home for a weekend, or you know, it it it, it it's it's just great. It really is, it really That's is great. It's great. great. You know. Yeah. So Nick, I want to close out with our one must go segment. You've been through this a few times with us, um, and this okay. This is actually brought to you by uh, United Cigars. United, we smoke with one must go. Uh, United Cigars featuring La Giana Bana and distributed to Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, made by Nick Perdomo, and a highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron. Buy United, Smoke United, Live United. So, Nick, this goes back to music, okay? And I know you're a big concert music guy. Um, yeah. And I'm going to put three options on the table, and one of them has to go, all right? And these go to how you're going to watch a concert, okay? And you have three options to watch the concert, and basically one of them will go. So the first one is, you can watch the concert from an all-inclusive luxury box. The second one is you could be in the front row right up and close and personal with the band or artist. And the third one is you have backstage access before, after, and during the concert, but you don't have a concert seat. Which of those three do you wipe off the table? That's easy. I'm taking the front row. I'm taking the front row. You, you know, my daughter you, now. Are you, are you taking it or are you eliminating it? No, I'm eliminating the backstage passes. I'm okay. eliminating the luxury mm. box, uh -huh. and I'm taking the front row. You know, one of the things, one of the greatest joys of my life, and I was blessed enough to do it, is my daughter Natalie loves Fleetwood Mac. 
So we had a we had a box at the Miami Arena because we were corporate sponsors with the Heat, but I didn't want that box. So I had all my friends in the box. I brought my daughter. It was a daughter-father uh, date night. And uh, so she's like, Dad, we're going to sit in the box. I go, nope. We started walking and walking and walking on that floor till we got to the front row. And she said, Dad, you got to be kidding me. She was, Natalie was probably 13 or 14 at the time. Lindsey Buckingham, they're playing um, You Can Go Your Own own Way. And he's playing that guitar riff. And he brought the guitar up to Natalie. And he said, just hit the guitar. And he's playing that lead. And Natalie is just drumming wow. that guitar. And I tell you what, that was worth a million bucks for me, for seeing my daughter being able to, to do that. So that was a real blessing. That 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 I got to that, that I got to do that. So the front row is is everything for me. If I can get front row tickets, the luxury box and all that crap, I don't care. The backstage I like. I've done it. I've seen Kiss, Cheap Trick. I've been backstage. Got to meet those guys. A uh, couple of the other guys. Another thing I got to do is talking about music. My daughter Natalie's a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, and my friend Barry Otto does all their lighting. So I said, "Can you anybody you can upgrade their ticket?" He said, "I got something special for Natalie and her friends." He ended up putting five seats on the side of the stage next to Chad Smith. And she got to sit on the stage Wow! and, and backstage passes food, the whole thing. And she called me up. She said, dad, we're sitting next to the drummer watching the show. And I'll never forget my friend Barry. I and I can't thank him enough for doing that. It was, uh, it was great. That's, it that's was great. great. That's good. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm agreeing with you. I would eliminate the backstage on my end as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I was just about to say the same thing. Like, I, you know, as as, as cool as that is to probably to meet some of the artists and everything, with that, I, you know, I want to go to the concert to experience it. You know, yeah. and yeah. I've been front row on some really some really cool shows, and and uh, you know, one of my favorite bands to see live was Sister Hazel, and I love. I got to, I got to be in the front row, and that was that was awesome. Yeah. They're fantastic. Well, you want you want to hear something funny? One of the guitar players for 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 Sister Hazel is a big Perdomo fan, and if you look at a lot of his shirts, he wears Perdomo shirts in the show. One of our salesmen, Jeff Godfrey, is friends with him, and uh, he'll wear a lot of Perdomo cigar shirts when they play. And oh, wow. he lives in North Carolina. He's a huge fan, and uh, so that that's pretty cool. I can't remember his name. He's a, he's a guitar player with the band and he always wears, he wears a lot of times a Perdomo cigar shirt when they're playing, which is, which is pretty cool. So, uh, cool. yeah, you, you, you get blessed a lot of times where you, you meet a lot of guys and they like your products. Cause a lot of musicians smoke cigars. So it, it's pretty cool. You know, yeah. it Ken block. I think that's, that's his name. Sound I think that's his name. Yep. It's Ken. I think that's his name, but he'll, he'll wear a Perdomo cigar shirt when they're playing a lot and i got pictures of them with the shirts i'll have to send them to you and uh no but i i've been really blessed i met you know mike mangini of dream theater steve gadd who's played with everybody dennis chambers a lot of drummers who 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 are who are really you know not only great musicians but love our cigars it's uh it's very very touching when they tell you they're fans of yours when you're fans of theirs too you know it's that, pretty cool that is really cool yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. It's very, it's like Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. I, I went backstage and I thought he was treating the fans pretty shitty, to be honest with you. He was like, take pictures, let's go. And then he saw my show. Oh, you're Nick Perdomo. I'm a big fan. You know, I love your cigars. I said, 
you should be fans of those guys too that paid a lot of money to come backstage too. And he just looked at me. But I, you know, he was giving me all the attention in the world. I said, you should give every all the fans all the attention in the world. They paid a, a lot of money to come see you. Be nice with them too. He probably didn't like that, but it was true. His son's on the Coop team, by the way. Yeah, yeah, and I and I told and I told I him, you told him that you. We were I at the told show him. I said, I, "Yeah, I said your dad wasn't very nice." By the way, he owes me a signed picture. He still hasn't gotten it for me. Coop, tell him that. I'll, I'll work on that. Yeah, he's using. <laughs> okay, I'm pre- I'll, I'll get you that. Uh, I'll work because I'm. I'm, a, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a huge cheap trick fan. I am. Yeah, and I really like that. But I will tell you, the Rick, uh, the, the 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 singer who I, I got a brain fart, the blonde guy, he was unbelievably Robin nice. Robin Zander. Robin Zander. Yeah. Robin Zander, super nice guy, very nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm a I'm a big cheap. But do me a favor, tell me he owes me a a signed picture of his dad. I I got oh. memorabilia everywhere. Tell him I put it up in my office. I'll work on you that. Do me the favor. It I appreciate work. it. No problem. We talk like every day, so uh, it will come yeah, up. Yeah, tell, tell, tell me, promise me that I'm still waiting. Okay. I, he I can get it done. He's a stud. No, he can get okay. it. I've seen him get things done like this. So, uh, we'll, I'll, you know, we probably all forgot about it with the trade show. So, we'll, we'll get Oh, that I know. But, you know, I, I'm just joking. But if he could, I'd love it. Awesome. You know, we'll thank you. Thank you for that, Coop. Yeah, no problem. So, Nick, I uh, want to thank you very much uh, for your time. This was, this was great, man. I'm so glad we got to do this tonight. Um, and I can't wait to do it again. I know we'll do it again. We're going to see you at the trade show. We're very excited about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing all you guys. Love to get you down to Nicaragua. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everybody for listening and the guys who stayed up late. I really, really appreciate it. And I totally support the Coop show. It's a great show. And, and Coop, I know how much you love cigars and how hard you work. And uh, really, thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you for the like support. It's just been amazing. And, uh, We've gone to the next level, and you're a part of that, so thank you. Well, th- thank you for having me, and it's it's my honor and, and really a privilege. You've helped our business, and uh, you don't do it just for advertising. You do it for the love, and, and I, that's, I know the audience respects you for that, you know? We appreciate you it know? very much. Thank you, Nick. Okay. Thank All you, right. guys. Bear, thank you, and God bless everybody, and thank you for having thank me you, on Nick. the show. Th- thank you. Take care, guys. All right. Take care. Good Have a good night. Side of the family. You too. That, thank that you. Is- that is the one and the only Nick Perdomo of Perdomo Cigars. So, Bear, we went we went real long with Nick, and I think people yeah. will really appreciate that, by the way. Uh, you know, he was in rare form tonight, which was great. Absolutely. I, like I told you, man, I love I, – it uh, doesn't matter if I've heard the story five, six times. Right. It always – and it happened a couple times tonight. You know, we – every time he says something, it, it, it or every time we're talking about something with him, it, it rekindles a memory of, of, of an experience that I've had with Perdomo Cigars. It it's he's he's incredible and and uh we're 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 so fortunate in what we do because we we've we've had the opportunity to talk to so many so many amazing people in this industry nick among them and and uh and i i just i i really enjoy every moment the like education such a big part of his yeah of his mantra he mentioned a lot about his mantra tonight and yeah you know he certainly uh, he certainly brought a lot of education to our uh, to our show tonight. So yeah, God, it was um, this was unbelievable. Absolutely, unbelievable. All right, absolutely. So I'm gonna move some things along. Uh, we did. I I screwed up again. Didn't do the contest. So we're doing it now. Um, so let me oh. kind of put it up. Give uh, me the hashtag. Here we go. All right. Contest again. We have another Saint Louis Carreño. Oh yes. All right. Uh, Gracie won the last prize pack. So congratulations to Gracie. Uh, she can enter again if she wants. Um, we're we're going to get that out to her, the one that she's owed. 
Um, and this is a prize pack that includes uh, they're throwing in Dewars. They said a bottle of Dewars, uh, Scotch whiskey, uh, one of the uh, tote bags, uh, which is one an awesome tote bag. Yes. Um, you have a little flask if you want to put that in. Um, your Dewars in there. I use that backpack every weekend, guys. That's my that's uh, that's my diaper bag. You know, I have my boys. My youngest is still in diapers. That that bag is awesome. It it is a great bag. It's not one of those like cheap cost bags you get either. And hanging up in my uh in the studio here, you can't see is the is the bottle opener. That is an awesome oh nice that, that the anchor. <laughs> yep. Um. So, as always, you can go to Cigar Coop to get the answer to this question. And uh, the question is, tell me the rapper that is on the St. Louis Ray Carreñas. Hashtag, hashtag, you have to hashtag this, SLR in the live stream. All right, here we go. Leave that picture up, Coop. I want everyone to go to this. Open up another tab on your browser or open up another window if you're looking in on a mobile device. Right. Go to cigar-coop.com, cigar-coop.com. There's a, there's a handy-dandy search key in the right-hand corner. This is, Coop, I, sidebar real quick. Your search key works better than any other website in this industry. Uh, I am maybe biased about a lot of things, Coop, but that is 100% fact. We put a there's a name right there. Karen, yes. Type in Carreñas. It'll pull it up. It'll pull up the articles about St. Louis Ray Carreñas, and it has the answer in all of the articles. Just click the first one. The rapper on the St. Louis Ray Carreñas. Type the name of the rapper in the comment. Hashtag SLR. So if if it's not, I'm going to give you a hint here. It's not Broadleaf, okay? So if, but if your answer was Broadleaf, you'd be incorrect. But if your answer was Broadleaf, you would type Broadleaf and then you would hashtag it, hashtag SLR. It has to be in the comment section of the live stream. So what you're doing, if this was, this show is shared quite a bit, Coop. So if you're listening to it or watching it on a shared uh, page, whether that's my personal page or one of the many groups, including the Perdomo Army, Army page, you can check, uh, you can, the Cigar Coop links there, come to the Cigar Coop Facebook page. Scroll down to our live feed in the comment section. Put your answer, hashtag SLR, and this awesome prize pack is yours. Could be yours. A bottle of 12-year-old Dewar's, that amazing cloth flask. The backpack is incredible. I use it every weekend. It is still, I listen, my kids are, they, they tear through everything. And this bag is still is in good condition as the day I got it. Gorgeous. Uh, Awesome bottle opener. Fantastic prize pack this week. The name of the rapper on the Carreñas, hashtag SLR. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Gracie, it's it's yours to win again if you want it, ma'am. It is yours to win it if you want it. Uh, everyone put those answers in the chat. We want to see it. So excited about whoever wins this prize pack. It's one of my favorites that we've done. We've done some really good ones. Absolutely. And uh, last thing, and I want to mention this again, one answer, not two. So I'm not picking it. No one will be able to put to it. So if you change, like some people change their answer, that's okay. Delete your other comment. Delete, put one answer in. Um, because otherwise, I don't know which one you thought was the right answer. 
All right. Uh, SLR. By the way, we had good – people did good with their hashtags last time. So great job by the audience. I apologize for getting on this one a little late here. All right. So continuing along the lines here, um, we're going to go into our Great Things Are Happening Here segment. Uh, and that is brought to you by Tobacco Era USA as well. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, Aging Room Cigars, Tobacco Area USA. Great things are happening here. Uh, Bear, I'll let you kick one this one off this week. Yeah, thanks, Coop. This is a really cool story. Uh, love, again, we say this every time. I don't care. I love this segment. It gives us the opportunity to talk about stories that really don't get a lot of press in the mainstream. It uh, doesn't get a lot of talk about because we, we're, we're so inundated every day with social media. We're so inundated on the news. There's so much negativity. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of negative stuff going on in this world. You know, we talked a little politics tonight. We talked a little econ- economics, the inflation, the war going on over in Eastern Europe. I mean, there's a lot of terrible things in this world going on. I'm not making we don't make light of that, but we do what we do want to bring is a little levity to the world because with these with this segment it's one of my favorite segments if not my favorite segment it's my it's definitely my favorite segment on this show i love it i'll just go ahead and say it and so some great stories so my story tonight is um about an addict but not your traditional addict the story is about this amazing woman who is a self-confessed charity addict francis connolly Francis Connolly of Ireland won the lottery, $145 million, $115 million uh, in British pounds, okay? And her and her husband, Patty, Patty Connolly, have actually given away $74 million to charity. Her quote in the story is she's 55 years old. There's a lot that she could do with her life. She could choose to enrich her life personally, her husband's life. I'm sure she's got, maybe she's got kids and grandkids at this point, but she's addicted to giving, helping people. It just gives you a buzz. I'm addicted to it now. $74 million given away to different charities. Unbelievable. She's, she's dedicated her life to philanthropy. She's been helping people since childhood. She volunteered with St. John's Ambulance as a child and set up AIDS, AIDS helpline while she was a student in Belfast. She runs several community groups that do a variety of work from helping refugees to providing seniors with tablets so that they can do video calls with their families. This is an incredible woman. And she won the Euro Millions 2019 jackpot that gave her over $140 million in American money. She's given away 74 a million American wow. dollars away to charity. Love, love this lady. Don't even know her. And I love her. That's She's fantastic. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. I'm up. So uh, this is a story. Um, that... I saw this story, by the way, Coop. I was, I'm glad you picked it. You picked yours first. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about picking it. Oh, okay. Sorry if I picked your pick. Uh, oh, it's all good. It's all, all good. Right. Help me find so... about. Help me find the Connolly family. It's yeah. cool. So this story comes from the Bronx in New York, and there is a uh, a new affordable housing development called the Peninsula that's going up. It's going to feature 740 units of affordable hot uh, housing. 
uh, as well as some light industrial space and some green space and extra commercial space. Um, but they're going to be implementing uh, a very unique kind of uh, waste management uh, thing in there. And literally, this thing is called – like this thing is what they're terming a giant machine stomach that's going to turn food waste into fertilizer, right? And literally, this is a, uh, a company called Harp Renewables. It's simulating a stomach, right? So, look – you know, everyone's all about food waste. You know, I don't ever like wasting food or anything, but it, but it happens, right? And what they're doing is this, this, this stomach, they're calling it, is filled with bacteria. And the food scraps from this unit are going to go into this stomach where it's going to simulate a digestive type of system with, with this bacteria that's in it. And it's going to output fertilizer. So this stuff could be used, you know, obviously fertilizer is, a, a very important thing to have for a lot of reasons, you know, crops, yeah, et cetera. Especially now, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Christina Grace, who is the founder of, of a, this company, uh, helped plan, design, the implementation of the digester into the peninsula and uh, helped organize a 40% grant from the city of New York to pay the $50,000 upfront cost. This is a great, I think this is a great thing. You know, we always talk, I'm not like one of these green guys by any means, but I don't like to see anything go to waste. I think this is a really great thing to have. You know, I hear about recycling and stuff. That's great. But this is something I think that's really unique that it is, it's going to go for a very good cause, um, you know, for use. So, um, and, uh, you know, producing fertilizer in the city is actually key because, you know, most of it's trucked in right now. So now uh, it could be, you know, used in New York City, you know, for a lot of different reasons. So, um, and again, it's going to be in, in the Bronx, which is, which is a nice thing right now. Um, a nice thing right now. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a New York story, so I always liked it. So um, both of these stories, okay, I just want to mention one thing, and I haven't even told you this, but so both of these stories, we're going to put the links in. Um, the links will no longer be on YouTube is what I'm just going to say. Um, we're, we're trying to keep links off of YouTube because there is, whether it's cigar or not, uh, it's a little bit of a problem right now, but it will be on the coop website. It will be on the pod bean, the Apple to, uh, the Apple. Uh, so you, you'll be able to still get the links, uh, Odyssey. If you, if you're a few people using Odyssey, uh, but it will no longer be on YouTube. So, um, just want to mention that but again the stories up you know we'll have them up there um as you know going forward so i just want to mention that to everybody all right so bear let's go we, we got let's are you okay to do one of the one of the last segments let's talk about the let's talk about the uh let's talk about flavors i think that's the most important one okay we haven't that's talked okay about the, we haven't talked about yeah we haven't talked about the flavored band too much we didn't actually we didn't get into it with Nick. We probably could have, but we did a lot with Nick tonight. Um, so for folks who don't know, I, I think most folks heard, there was a, the FDA came out with their notice of proposed rulemaking, right? So there's two when, – when, when the FDA does regulations, right, they first do an advanced notice of, of uh, public rulemaking where they kind of put the problem out there. They look for comments. Um, and you kind of get an idea of what they're thinking, right? And then they come back and they, in their own wisdom, right? I don't be a little biased here. They propose rules, 
right? That that how this flavored ban is going to work. And that's what the FDA uh, put last week in the Federal Register. The notice of proposed rulemaking is this is what they're thinking of banning, right? And uh, now that goes to another comment period. Keep in mind the comments aren't because FDA really wants to hear what you have to say. That's the law. You have to get comments out there. So um, we'll, I guess, bear, I have some, I have four questions I want to talk about with this, but let's just first talk about the, the flavor ban here. What were your, some of your general thoughts of the flavor ban? About the ban itself? About the ban itself, yeah. I mean, I wasn't okay. surprised. There was nothing that really surprised me in that. Yeah, I, I 100%, Coop. I think the uh, my initial thoughts about the flavor ban or the announcement, this particular announcement about the FDA's intention to potentially eliminate uh, flavors in tobacco products, obviously most notably for tonight's discussion, premium cigars, was not a surprise. If it is, you've been living under a rock. Yep. This has been something that's been going, uh, that's been on kind of on the horizon for a long time. I'm surprised it's actually taken this long. I would have thought that they would have gone after flavors first uh, as opposed to T21. They didn't. T21 is now is now the law of the land. Um, but when my first uh, my first inclination with it or my first thoughts uh, were how this was going to affect a lot of uh, the companies that uh, that we that we cover. And then it started shifting a little bit more personal to the fact that we, we know we have relationships with individuals in these companies that are directly affected by this. And once again, it's, it's, I, I, I make note of this, that this is a continual trend that we've seen by the FDA and their efforts to hinder marginalize, dismantle the tobacco and specifically the premium cigar industry with just outright ignorance. Now, I, I understand that they're, they're opening up this as a comment period, which they, they've done in the past. I think it's our responsibility to, do, to talk about the comment period, which I know we'll do in a second, but you're asking my initial thoughts. Yep. The, and I think, again, once again, this goes back to, and this even in the in this proposed flavor ban, once again the topic has come up that the FDA does not understand nor define what a premium cigar is. We've been talking about this exhaustingly 13 years, 13 for, years. for over a decade. Yes, we still don't know. <laughs> How is it that an organization that can make laws unfounded, non-regulated, with no oversight, and have zero understanding of what they're doing. Okay? Take what I just said at face value. Forget premium cigars for two seconds. Forget flavors. Forget all of that. Coop, if I told you that a new law was coming out regulating the American automotive industry. You're a big, your dad was a big car guy. So in memory of, of, yeah. of the great late Mr. Cooper saying that no longer that cars could not be painted red because of the fact that, again, they would, uh, 
because of some unfounded statement saying that red cars are detriment to society because they create um, jealousy of people who don't own red cars. People who own red cars are more susceptible to getting tickets. That's actually a statistical backing. Um, other, again, other unfounded items about cars being painted red. What defines the color red? There are several variations of the color right. red. Is it fire right? engine red? I mean, I know, listen, I know I'm grasping at straws and I know I'm going into left field with this group, but that's what uh, this is. It's a, good fact, it's a good analogy. The fact that the FDA is proposing a law, a law, Coop, that of something they have historically and still to this day refuse to define because they do not understand it is not only is it mind-boggling but it's also tragic it's a travesty i know i'm using a lot of words that like seem like over dramatic and i may be talking like i'm over the top here with my left field analogy and everything but the fda does not understand what this industry is so even take if look if any anti-tobacco people are happening to be listening to me talking right now i seriously doubt it but if they were we could apply this to anything that anti-tobacco anti-tobacco lobby people like too. We're going to regulate the height of cupcakes because cupcakes that are a certain height have way too much sugar. I mean, that just like it just. Well, what defines a cupcake? How tall is too tall? What if what if the frosting is sugar free? I mean, there are so many things that you could talk about. That's the that's the extent of the ignorance that we're talking about. I know it sounds like again, I know it sounds like I'm just throwing out just shit. I'm not here because that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the premium cigar industry like they know what it is, like our guest tonight, Nick Perdomo. They're acting like experts when they have zero expertise. And the way that we can define the fact and know the fact that they have no zero expertise in the fact is they don't know what a premium cigar is because they've admitted it time and time again. All that this, that is a fact that is undisputed. Yeah. They don't know what it is and they refuse to define it. It's an absolutely valid analogy. This, this is my, this is my original reaction to the flavor band because once again, we're back to the table stating the same old arguments and, about its kids yeah. about you know, about this about that it's the same thing it's just repackaged and now they're going after something else yep they lost the warning labels they lost the stab, uh, substantial equivalence and now they're repackaging and going after something else when their own study listen if they're going to keep saying the same shit coop so am i it's a their own study their own money proved scientifically with data that children do not purchase premium cigars. It's a statistical fact. Yeah. And now with T21, that number's gotten even smaller. I have children, Coop. You have children. Stop talking about my kids. Like, you know what's good for them. 
my six-year-old has an understanding of what, as he calls, gagars are. And he knows they're for grown-ups. He knows you don't touch daddy's gagars. My two-year-old is learning that lesson right now. Stop talking about my kids. Stop talking about things you don't know anything about. That was my initial reaction. So there's, there's my soapbox. <laughs> oh, it's a good, it's, a, it's totally valid. You know, um, so two points I'll make, uh, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, what's motivating this? Why is this dangerous? Um, it's coming, look, and I'm not trying to get political, but the Biden administration has this thing called cancer moonshot. It's an initiative where they're trying to reduce cancer rates by 50% over the next 20. And that's a positive thing. It's a positive thing, but they're, they're going for low hanging fruit to make these goals. And because they say tobacco is the leading cause of cancer uh, and it's claimed 30% of all cancer deaths, uh, they're going after flavored cigars and menthol cigarettes. Right? So that's their rationale. And that's a dangerous piece of rationale. Because again, we looked at studies as well, uh, you know, and, and cancer rates with cigars and they're different, right? Uh, not saying, you know, and a lot, and again, most cigars we've talked about this nauseum, they're used in moderation. So, um, you know, people have one to two cigars a month, right? If they want to have. Oh, a that's flavor. that's a that's a minority coup. The majority of cigar smokers smoke four to six cigars a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a majority, that's an a overwhelming yeah. majority of cigar yeah. smokers. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, we're not talking about, um, again, this is a cottage industry. Everyone who, who you know, we're, we're very heavy industry focused. So we're not telling you anything that you guys don't know or heard before. But but again, this is where this is where the motivation is coming. And the FDA is going for a, a, they're trying to go for a win here. And but they've made this more difficult. And this is where we're going to get into some of the questions that I have is this characterizing flavor notion is in there. So it's not that it's an infused cigar, right? That's chocolate brownie infused is, does this cigar taste like anything but tobacco, right? Now we take the media piece away, but if you go to like a cigar company website, you'll see like they have pictures of caramel cubes and coffee beans and, you know. We um, had Nick Perdomo on his labels talk about flavors yeah his labor and they're not flavored cigars and and they're more of like how we interpret these when we again if you've listened to the show we've talked about this ad nauseum as well but that causes a major problem okay that's going to cause a problem uh because now it's going to affect a lot of the marketing of cigars and uh i i worry it still could affect the me i went with abe a little on this and yeah media can still write about what they want right but if, if they can, you know, maybe the can we? what can we? What we can we talk about? Can we write what we want? I, I don't see why not. I, that we're protected under the First Amendment like that. I, I, I yeah, but at what at what cost? That's what well, yes, at yes. what cost? Well, mm -hmm. yeah, but if they start seeing, well, maybe we don't want any more uh, publications. We can no longer public, you know, so that could, that could be the cost. So. Every, everyone in the cigar industry, whether you're making a flavored cigar or not, should be an absolute outrage on this, right? And the second thing is, this is prohibition being implemented. Whether, mm -hmm. yeah, so this is bad, okay? This is a bad thing. Because um, that's worked well historically. 
Let's talk. Yeah. Let me let me drop that little nugget in because prohibition has historically gone well with this country. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is as far as this is one of the biggest news stories of the year with due respect to the Espinosa Guy Fieri. Sorry. Okay. This is this is going, you know, this is an absolute this is an absolute train wreck waiting to happen. I don't think it's going to like, so the timeline is this. They'll have comments for 60 days. The FDA takes those comments. They claim they read them. And then they basically will make a final ruling. And what we've seen in most of these cases is the FDA rejects every comment. So, you know, so, and usually by the time they do that, it's another year goes by. So they'll have the final rule, let's say in a year, let's say next year, twenty. 23 and then by that point it goes into effect one year later so probably we're not looking at anything until 2024 most likely this thing's going to go into court especially with the and and look they've tried the mental ban before so this is going to go into the courts and uh it's you know so i don't think we're going to see something soon but it's another thing that the industry is going to have to put a lot of money into fighting right now yeah and uh you know so, you know, it's not good. This is not a good, there's nothing good about this right now. Um, and this is not an issue of gimmicky packaging for kids here. This is a serious. No, this is a separate issue. This is a separate, separate discussion. Issue, okay, it's a completely separate discussion. You know, and, and look, I don't want to see the flavors go away. The other thing is economically, this could be a, a catastrophic for retailers and cigar companies. Uh, I mean, Drew Estate, wasted no time getting a statement out there. Um, I would have liked to have seen statements from 10 to 15 companies, and they were the only ones to issue a public statement. I understand they're the biggest, they're one of the biggest in that field, but like I said, this affects everybody. This affects yeah. everybody, and uh, everybody needs to pay paying attention to this. And, I, yeah, go ahead, Bear. I was just going to say, so you, met, so you mentioned Drew Estate, I, I, it's just pivoting on that real quick. So this has been this has long been a, this has long been a position of mine concerning Drew Estate, right? For a long time now, okay. And I'm I'm going to mention something negative, but I want to spin it into a positive here because I'm really proud. I'm really proud of an organization that I'm about to mention. I have long taken the position that that this industry as a whole, namely the organization that heads it, the PCA has stood by and allowed flavored cigars, infused cigars, non-traditional cigars to be the butt of the joke, to be the sacrificial lamb, which for me was unacceptable from a state and from not, I'm yes, I'm a, as a consumer, I'm a fan of Drew Estate, um, but from a, again, the PCA is a business organization. Okay. They are a retailer organization. They're about promoting the business of tobacconists and making, making them better tobacconists, making them better businesses and better business owners. That is the, that's the core of the PCA. With flavored cigars, non-traditional cigars, infused cigars going away. That is like you said, Coop, a second ago, that is a catastrophic impact to not just Drew Estate, over 50% of their portfolio goes away. 
That's not just 50% of their portfolio. That's not just 50% of their cigars. That's over 50% of their revenue. That's 50% of their jobs. Those families, that's one company. Let's take Drew Estate out of the equation for two seconds. They matter, but take, to, take, them, out of the sec take them out of the conversation. People have opinions about flavored cigars, but go into your retail store, any retail store in North America. Tell me the percentage of the humidor that is dedicated to non-traditional cigars. I'm, Coop, I'm going to guess. I want to hear your guess on this number. I'm guessing it's close to 25%. That was the number I had. That was the number I had. 25% of your profits, gone. 25% of the people that you employ, gone. Benefits slashed. Families affected. All as a result of an organization that doesn't understand what we're smoking tonight. And so turning, I said, I promised the positive here. So let me turn the positive here. Like you said, you were really, you were really, you were really proud of Drew State for putting out a statement. You wish that more companies had put out a statement. I was really, really, really enthused, encouraged, and very proud of the Premium Cigar Association for putting out a statement in opposition to this. And I've, you, you know me, Coop. I haven't been a fan of their statements in past, particular T21. Not going to raise that issue. Yeah. This was, this was good. This was a huge positive, and it came out fast. We've commented on their slowness sometimes. This was a huge action point. It was done, it was done very quickly. I'm very proud of Scott Pierce, the board of the PCA, Joshua Haberski, Glenn Loop, for getting out in front of this and getting it out quickly and protecting their retailers. This was, that was a proud moment for me. I'm very proud of them. Well I, am I am too, but I still think that their focus is going to be more on fighting the characterizing flavor thing. Now, and they are concerned about the business. I'm not saying they're not concerned about the other stuff, but, you know, some of the, some of the criticism of PCA is that they were not, with some of these state bans, they were invisible. Now, I don't think that was the case, but that's the criticism that the perception people had. Um, so I thought it was important that they got that statement out quick. And I thought it was a good statement. Um, but even, you know, Josh said in his, in his quote in there that, you know, their chief concern is the characterizing flavor thing. But they talked about all the other things that we just talked about as well. One know? hand washes the other, though. Yeah, so, yeah, it, exactly. Um, so I thought they, they did a good job with it. Um, CRA took a day. They lagged a day, but they got something out. So I'm, I'm okay with that. And at least the, when they didn't have anything ready, they said they're going to they're working on a statement. So I, I, I'll give them something. By the way, CRA should have had something on their Instagram account on this. Shame on them. They're still putting pictures of cigars. You know, we talked about that in the last show. I just, you know, I just threw my arms up in the air. Like, there's nothing on the Instagram page about this, right? Um, I'm hoping. But they also mentioned that they're preparing some stuff for comments, which is, which is good. Uh, Cigar Association of America put out a statement as well. So... I, I thought it was good that the trade organizations had a swift response. I'll even put CRA in that as they did issue a statement um, in there. And I, you know, I, I actually, I'm, so I'm fine with the response. I am disappointed that no other cigar company spoke up about this. And my question is, why are they not speaking up about this? 
I have a theory and I'll answer your question in a second. Uh-huh. But I want to bring up another organization that stands to lose a lot if this goes into law. Where was Critic International that heads the TPE? The Tobacco Plus Expo and the, the company behind from a, it. From a company standpoint. Again, they're not from a company, from an economic standpoint, they stand to lose massive millions, right. Coop. Right. Millions of dollars if this goes into effect. You know, part of my theory is that, where, yeah. Where was their statement? Where was their statement? Are they all going to, maybe they're like, well, they'll all switch the weed. No, that's, I don't know if that's going to happen, right? I, I don't. I don't know what the rationale is. I'm not going to speculate on that. But and yeah, yeah. I, but since you posed the question, I will speculate on why other cigar companies didn't pose the statement. Now, I don't work for any cigar companies. I do not have firsthand knowledge right. of any cigar company. Shame on me. I should have probably asked them. That might be a project for us, Coop, to ask some ask this question of some of some folks. We should have asked Nick. Actually, yeah, yeah, because Nick, Nick doesn't, for the record, Nick doesn't manufacture non-traditional cigars. Um, but if I were to venture a, a guess here, is maybe they're a little scared. I think so too. Maybe they don't want to print a target on themselves, and I understand it. I do. I, I I'm, I'm not going to say i'm not going to sit here and say shame on you yeah uh for that but the characterizing flavor thing is huge the characterizing flavor thing is huge here's the other thing coop now this is a this is a really unjust and unfair comparison because the the weight of of the this quotes and what it was referenced to versus what we're talking about is is completely night and day but the quote is 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 very poignant and it's a quote of a catholic priest in early 20th century europe who said first they went after the Jews and I didn't say anything because I'm not Jewish. And then they went after another group and I didn't say anything because I'm not a part of that group. And then they went after another group and I didn't say anything because I was not a member of that group. And then they went after the communists because I'm not, but I didn't say anything because I'm not a communist. And then they came for me and there was no one left to stand up for me. Now, Again, yeah. I'm not saying the tragedies that occurred in, uh, in Europe in early 20th century is comparable to this. But what I am saying is if you don't stand up for what's wrong, sooner or later, what's wrong is going to come knocking at your door. We talked about this with T21. Do we, and I'll, I'll beat this dead horse for as long as I can. Do you really think the anti-tobacco lobby is going to stop at 21? 
We're already seeing efforts to go to 25. We've seen Hawaii get ridiculous at age 100. And it's going to happen Yes, the anti-tobacco lobby is prohibition. Annihilation of a legal product. One of these days, there's going to be a knock at your door. No doubt. That, that's my point. Good point. So my second question, Cigar Media was very quiet on this. Um, and I'm not talking about influences and online, which were quiet as a whole. As far as I'm concerned, the only people who really published anything related to the story were myself and Half Wheel, or Cigar Coop and Half Wheel. Um, where was Cigar Aficionado? Where Good was question. Cigar? They have not like if you're a if you're getting your news from Cigar Aficionado, you have no clue what's going on here. And if you don't read a Cooper and Half Wheel because you you don't like like us, right? Uh, maybe you got okay. Maybe you got the communications from the PCA and the CRA. I can tell you the average people in my cigar stores got none of those communications. But they may, yeah. But but you know. So where was Cigar Aficionado? Where was Cigar like, Journal? Where, where, where were they? they yeah, like it or not, Cigar Aficionado is the major news source for our industry. Okay. With all respect with all respect to they Cigar are, Mainstream Coop. media ate out lunch. Mainstream media, it was all over mainstream media, and it was distorted all over mainstream media, right? Where were you, Cigar Aficionado? Yeah, talking about how this is a positive thing and the yeah, public health oh, and, the, and, oh, our, ki- our kids will be saved. You know, you know what I did, Bear? I have um, Pluto TV and Tubi, right? Tubi, uh, where they have local news, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can get local news from all the country. I went through the day this happened. I went through all the local news. All of them had this story, right? And, and you saw pictures of, like, flit acids and, of course, mental cigarettes. But you did see cigar, and, and nothing from Pope Marvin and the Cardinals over at Cigar Aficionado. Nothing. Not a – not and just report the story. And then some of the cigar media, they, they just felt compelled to just put the Drew State statement out there or maybe the PCA statement and, and not explain, like, this is what, you know, hey, this is what happened. It was just like you heard a statement, but you really didn't. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I'm perplexed why cigar media was not on top of this story as a whole. It To me, I mean, there were a few podcasts that did talk about it, right? I'm okay with that. So, like, you know, Bear, I'm not lumping you. You're part of the Cigar Coop team, so it was covered on Cigar Coop. But, you know, I'm sure it's going to come up on podcasts with a few. But No, I, 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 co- I covered it in my interview on Sunday with Tony Bellotto, who does not make non-traditional cigars, mind yeah, you. So. Right, and I have not heard that. That's When, I'm, when, I'm, when I go to Florida, that's on my, uh, uh, my list to listen to, so – when I leave for vacation. So, so I, I have that, that was a, that's like a deliberate strategy. So, so, okay. You did talk about, but, but I mean, I mean, come on guys. I mean, you're, you're more worried about covering risk day uh, stuff. Maybe some of you guys, and, or that in fact, I'm not covering risk day, right? I'm not trying to throw it in, but that's okay. You, you, if you're not criticizing where, why aren't you criticizing people for not covering this story? That's what I'm saying. So you want to criticize me for not covering the monkeys. That's, that's fair game. Okay. Criticize? Where's the criticism <laughs> right now? I, and I think I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if people don't take this seriously. I think this is a huge threat right now. I again. I, 
again, I don't have any inside firsthand inside knowledge as to why some media outlets did or did not cover it. But I'm venturing. No, I'm not going to venture to guess why they didn't. I, I, I'll simply say this, Coop. Look, tra traditionally in this in this in this world, the cigar media world, as small as it is, it's even smaller. A number of cigar media outlets that do cover issues like Half Wheel, Coop, and traditionally Cigar Aficionado. Right. So you're absolutely right for calling out Cigar Aficionado on this. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. They're the major that, news source for that, this industry. Yeah. Like, how, how do you not do that? But how do you not do that? Yeah. I look, um, I just think that there's the, the, the other popular media outlets that exist in this industry don't cover this part of the world like Charlie and you do. It, it, I, I, I don't think I'm out of line by saying that. You know, no, um, no, and I, no, I don't think you are. But that's why and, and I said this was more directed at the big guys here. Yeah. This, and tobacco business had something in it. I'll give them that. They did cover it. So I think that I think that's I, I think your question is valid, but I, I also think it I think it exceeds the, the traditional scope of a lot of our uh, our a lot of our colleagues in cigar media, to, to be perfectly frank. Um not that they can't, not that they shouldn't, you know, I just think it's, it's not part of their purview. And, and you can, you can call that what it is. You can have a problem with that. If you do, I, I don't necessarily have a problem either way with that. Um, if, but I would expect half wheel to cover it and they did, I would expect you to cover it and you did, I would right. expect cigar aficionado to do it and they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. And that's that. I think I think that's that's the biggest shame on you. If you want to look, if yeah. you want to look, if you want to talk about companies that didn't put out a statement, Coop, I think that's I think I think you make a valid point there. I think that's I, I think that's something they should. But the fact that the, the major news source in this industry who, who every you know, every company fawns over. Right. They can't wait to go to they can't wait to go to Big Smoke. I would be where I'd be putting pressure on these guys. Hey, where's the coverage here? Give us some coverage here because mainstream media ate us for lunch. They did. And Everyone said, covered this. And look, and look, you can say what you want about. I don't want to get too political here. Yeah. But look, this wasn't just CNN and MSNBC. No, it was at local Fo levels. Yeah. Local levels. Fox News covered this. Fox News covered this. Fox and News I can tell you, I can tell you firsthand that. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, an, it wasn't pro, it wasn't pro tobacco. No, oh, this is, you know, FDA's taking this major, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it was just the way it was presented. It was like, you know, there was, okay, and, and, okay, so why is this important, right? Why am I picking on Cigar Aficionado, right? Because we just talked about, you know, if you read, again, if you read uh, the PCA statement, right? And like you said, they did a they did a good job on that statement, right? But they talked about um, you know characterizing flavors, total small business impact, foreign impact on cigar producing countries, impact on minority small businesses. Um, these talking points were not covered by any of these news outlets, right? And and look, cigar aficionado, they they are the 
they are number one in this business. They had mm-hmm. a responsibility to kind of give some give some coverage on this and, and, and do do some diligence on this, right? Yeah. I, I think they blew I think they like I said, I'll give a pass to someone like, you know, some of the influencers who don't do this, right? And, and I'm not knocking them, that's not what their realm is, right? But but again, where was Segura aficionado on this one? Yeah. Yeah, we're not, I, and I'm not even necessarily coming down on some of the other non-influencers. And, too, and if I missed this, is a, I, I looked, I didn't see it on aficionado, so that's why I'm saying this. Well, and I, and and I'll double down on that, Coop. You know, and I'm not needling, and I'm not necessarily, right. uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm not fishing here, but I'll, I, I, I know that we've said this before. I. Uh, about uh, the anti-tobacco lobby that they have an open invitation to this show anytime they want. Well, Matthew Myers had his statement out pretty quick too. From yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he. I'm sure he. I'm sure he cracked open a bottle of champagne, which apparently he doesn't have a problem with. And I'm sure that press release went to every major media outlet, along with AP. You know, so in the AP, I'm sure that they got that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not picking today. This so, is not the time to pick up PCA for, for their distribution. And it, it, they did what they needed to do, but no, but, but PCA a, did a good job. But when no. So here's, that, here's my invitation. I'm open invitation to, yeah. uh, to Marvin Shankin, David Savona, anyone else at Cigar Aficionado who wants to come on our show yeah. and talk about why they didn't cover it. I think that would, I, I think uh, our audience and the cigar consumers as a whole are entitled to hear it. And by the way, if they still cover it, it's not a bad thing. If you still want to put something out there on this. Yeah. I don't um, care if it's late. I don't care if it's late, but cover it, please. Um, you have, you have the reach that none of us have right now. And if you don't want to cover it, then I want to hear why. I want to hear why exactly. Why is this not cut? Co- why is this not newsworthy? It, you know, I, I, you know, you know, uh, I, you know, they're, they're pretty quick to, uh, they were pretty quick to announce, uh, the unretirement of Rick Rodriguez, formerly of CAO Cigars. Yeah, I want to thank I want to thank Rick, by the way, for getting us that press release. Not we didn't get it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I think. I wish Rick well, the best. I really they were they were yeah, they were quick to cover that. And you know, congratulations to him starting a new venture. And that's great for Rick. I am very happy for Rick, by the way. But how could you and that's a legitimate news story? It, it, it totally how do you how do you not cover this? Just, uh, you know, and I look at some of the things that they have in the news. Um, you know, look, I understand the explosion at Cuba's Hotel Saratoga. Is, you know, it's a sad. That was thing. a big story too. That was a big story it was, it was too. A big story on that. Um, you know, um, it's an important. That's an important story. It was. Um, it was. I understand. Like you have something, but that was afterwards. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was. You know, I, I understand certain things that they do, but you know, there's other stories I've seen out there that I'm I'll, like. I'll, I'll put this out there too, Coop. Don't you think they knew about it? Everyone knew about it. No, 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 no. Prior to the FDA's announcement, look. Everyone knew that. There's some, look, there's, there's some, look, there's some fantastic. PCA had the the information a week early. I understand. I'm, and I'm saying Cigar Aficionado did too. So Cigar Aficionado has some fantastic journalists. Yeah. They had some, they have some fantastic journalists who are, who are amazing at their job. Yeah. Being journalists. How. How do they not execute on this? Oh, I, it's a, it's a, this, com- it's a complete. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Coop. I'm, I'm, I, I'm downright upset about it. I'm, yeah. I really am. I think, uh, shame, shame on them. 
sincerely. Um, and if, if, if I'm being too harsh, I, I, I apologize. I apologize too. If, I, if, 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 if they're putting, if they're getting their ducks in a row and they're going to issue their, their coverage and statement and, you know, and they want to be diligent about it. then again, hats off. I'm okay with that too. But I don't think they are no, at this point. Cigar aficionado has prided themselves on being relevant and being first with a lot of exclusive news. Because they should have been, they should have been first with this. They should, they should have absolutely been. Or at least something should have been out that that day. No, um, they should have been first. No, Coop. They should. They are. They well, are the they they premier had, news organization for I, this I industry. It, they they should have been first. Okay, they should have had exclusive. But yeah, I, that's that would be my point. You, I'm not saying that. exclusive. I'm not talking about that. Okay, they should have been first. They are the premier news organization for this industry. With yeah. all respect to you and Charlie. They are. No, there's, there's no question about that, right? Um, you know, there's, there's absolutely no dispute with that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, you know. It's wrong. They put up something about Florida beaches and parks passing uh, – uh, passing a uh, an important issue, yeah. There's important stories in cigar aficionado right now. They're important but, but stories, they, but but in reality, that's not as important as this. By yes, by comparison, they are not even in the same galaxy yeah. as this. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, it was just a... if flavor bans occurs, how many of your subscribers, Coop, don't renew their subscription? Yeah. You want to talk about dollars and cents here? You want to talk some money? Let's talk about money since you know they're a, they're a for-profit business that's fine like our guest tonight nick perdomo i'm a capitalist too yep this, this is a business decision yep you want to talk about journalistic integrity we can i look i can wax philosophical and i can be an idealist till like there's no tomorrow i'm incredibly naive i've i've confessed that several times on this show but look at let's look at this. Look, let's look at the economics of this. You really don't think this is gonna if this goes into effect, you really don't think this is gonna affect your subscribers? Are you that dense? Yeah. I'm asking sincerely. And no, and listen, I, I, if I'm I, being I, harsh, please come on the show and tell me. Tell me I'm an asshole. Tell me I'm out of line. Tell me tell yeah, me I don't tell get me, it. Yeah, tell me. Uh, look, you know, I, I've picked on them on other things. Uh but yeah, I mean I'm not happy how they you know, work their exclusives, but you know, okay, that's you know, I understand they have subscribers and stuff, but this one, this one, you had a responsibility for. You were the like you said, you were the num, you were the number one, and there's nothing out there on this. And I'd like to understand why, why. I mean, and here's the thing: would we, you know, you know, if 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 by the way, if you know, if Coop didn't cover this, right? I, look, and I've gotten criticized from, from people in the industry for not covering a story because I don't think it's newsworthy, right? You know, one we had last summer. I'm not going to go into that, right? But this, but if I didn't cover this, I would have been, I would have been blasted. If Charlie didn't cover it, they're going to say, "Where's Charlie on this?" Coop, right? I would, uh, Coop, I would have. Uh, I'm sorry, I would have been, I would have been the first to say it to you. Yeah. Like, why, why am? Yeah. What? What the? Yeah. There, look. Look. Let's 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 be straight here. There are, I've I've come to you several times with news stories because, where I'm like, hey, blah blah, like, you know, what about this? And you like send me the link, and I'm like, yeah, I missed it, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's um, okay, and that's okay. At least you're you're doing your yeah. you're doing your job, by the way. 
Yeah. Um, so, and there's other things but, that you come to me that I didn't know about, right? Well, um, the list is short but distinguished um, in that look, regard. Look, but look, um, we've worked hard on some. By the way, just for our audience, Bear has worked hard on several news stories this year for for Cigar Coop uh, behind the scenes. So if you see that Bear Duplissy pr provided content for this story, basically Bear has did a lot of the work, and I just kind of put it into words. So uh, so keep that in mind, just because we wanted to get something out timely and stuff like that. But uh, if you see that in a, in, a, in, a, in a footnote or whatever, that's that's what's going on. So so yeah, I mean, but but you would have been all over me like, where's this story? Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm 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 thoroughly I'm thoroughly upset about the lack of coverage from Cigar Aficionado. Yeah, uh, they should be they should be embarrassed. Um, it should be very embarrassing now. And like I said, um, I have I have a great amount of respect for that organization. I really do. No, some do some some criticize me. You know, some I've gotten criticism of about my uh, my respect for them. Um, yeah. And I stand by it. I stand by my respect for that organization. They do a great job at what they do. They do a great job of being the premier news organization for this yeah. for this industry. And I've criticized them heavily on a couple of things. Nothing compared to this. Nothing. None of my none of my criticisms of cigar aficionado compared to this. No, this is uh, I agree with you on this. I I agree with you on this. This is this is the this is a bad job by them. Um, and I think anyone who's like like anyone who's look anyone who is I mean I let them let them know about it too. If you're a cigar aficionado subscriber or just like that kind of I like am, them, let them know about it. We're, we're letting them know tonight here, so. No, I have a I have a letter to the editor penned. I, really, I, really good uh, yeah. for you. Good for yeah. you. I didn't even know that. Good for you. Yeah, I, it's penned. It's I'm 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 going through it. I I rarely do rough drafts, but I want to get this right. And I want to. And in 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 all fairness, Coop, I'm actually giving them time. I, I'm I, giving I, them time. I'm, I'm 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 again. I'm naive, right? I'm positive. Like oh, surely. Surely they're working on something. They're maybe they're putting their ducks in a row. Maybe they're making sure all their facts are right. Right. You know, maybe they want to. You know, they want to. Maybe they're 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 uh, manufacturing a call to arms about how we should comment during the comment period. Which I, I would so. be. That would be very would good. Be, that would but be so awesome. But they still should have covered the story when it came out. Yes. Instead of the day, like the day it came out, which was I want to. And that'll be a separate. If that occurs, if they do finally cover it and put together a well thought out battle plan and things yeah. like that, then the, 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 the criticism will, will be of a different sort. They'll still be there, but yeah. I'll, I'll appreciate it a lot less. And, and, and the respect for that will, will obviously return, but yeah, but yeah, uh, open invitation to uh, Marvin Shank and David Savona and all the good people, all the Absolutely. amazing journalists, at Scarf Absolutely. Absolutely. come on the show and tell me, tell me why I'm wrong. Yep. Tell me what I missed. Yeah. Tell me why. I'm happy to hear it. Yep. All right. All right. Last point. Um, because I think we hit the third point already. Uh, the comment period. So we've seen, we've seen this before, right? Now, I'm gonna. You know, we've been critical of comments submitted on these things, right? Because they don't focus on what the FDA is looking for. I did. <clears throat> so what is the FDA looking for, Coop? Spell it out for us. They're looking for, I would say, more scientific. They're looking for data points. Okay. All right. What they're, here's what they're not looking for. 
hands off my cigars. Um, they're not looking. This is FDA we're talking about. They're not. You could. The business impacts. If you're gonna throw it in there, right? You got to throw it in there with the other facts, right? And they're not. I'll tell you what they're not looking for is. I heard this. They're not looking for form letters either. So that's another big thing. I read something there that that they are not looking for, and that's typically what we've done. We've done formal, but they need you know there needs to be guidance on this thing. And I think that everyone should submit a comment, but the industry people need 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 prescriptive guidance on the comments they submit. I've seen some good ones and I've seen some bad ones, but typically what they're going to be looking for is they're going to be looking punch holes into what's in there uh, from some of the scientific data. I saw, um, remember when the whole, I think with the SE stuff, it was like CLE did a really good job on that. I remember. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I really did a really good job Gabby with their Caffey statement. Gabby did a good job. Dr. Gabby Caffey. Um, if you look, and, you know, I think they need, but the, the thing is, I don't think, I've seen, I, I, from what I'm understanding with the FDA is, you want to submit form letters, or they're not going to, it's not going to make, it's not going to sway them. I think, like, if they get out, you know, we need a lot of comments, but they need to be good comments. Like, typically, like, hands off my cigars is is something you could write to your congressman about, not the FDA, because they don't care. They're going to say, well, we're, we're doing this because we think this is right for you, even though they have no clue on this. But we are into the comment period, and, you know, CRA said something about guidance. I hope that guidance is coming out soon. They've had a lot of time to kind of look at this already. So and the, when that window starts to close with the comment period. So, I mean, they should have had a preliminary straw man on the comments pr prior to this. And now it's just filling in the detail. Okay, but I want to share a statistic with you, okay? Uh-huh. Okay. The National Institute of Alcohol Abuse. Okay. Uh, yes, I said alcohol. The National Institute of Alcohol Abuse estimates that 7 million young people ages 12 to 20 drink alcohol beyond just a few sips in the past month. 7 million. Okay. You want to give me a guess on the number of under, underage smokers? I'm not talking about cigars. Underage smokers um, in this country. Underage smokers. Under 100,000. Not that low. Okay. The uh, CDC, in conjunction with the truthinitiative.org, which is an anti-tobacco Right. So they have every the, the truth initiative has every. Every uh, motivation to skew these numbers, right? Mm -hmm. 1.3 million. I mean, are these, how, how accurate are those numbers? Let's just say they're accurate. Let's say for the sake of argument, they're accurate. OK. 
It's a lot less. It's a lot less. Yeah. Is underage drinking a greater issue than consumption of tobacco? If you want to talk about health, let's talk about health. I, I agree. I agree. But remember what this is tied to. This is tied to that cancer initiative. So I get it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, alcohol doesn't cause cancer? I'm not saying it doesn't. But okay. Yeah. If we're talking about health, let's talk about health, Coop. Yeah. If we're talking about the safety of children and the you're, you're general right. health no, and safety right. of... You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. Let's just say they're right. Let's say those numbers are right. The Truth Initiative has every every motivation to skew that number. Let's say... let's, But just so, for the sake of argument, let's say it's accurate. Yeah, by the way, according to the Truth Initiative, it's it's less than 6%. Okay. Less than 6% of the American smokers are underage, which we know is high based on the study, right? Based on the study done by the FDA. So we know, we know their numbers are wrong, but let's just say for the argument, sake of argument that they're right. Seven times. Children are seven times more likely to drink underage than smoke underage. But yet, there's cotton candy vodka. There's Mountain Dew flavored vodka. There's Fireball whiskey. There's cinnamon whiskey. There's Tennessee honey whiskey. Let's not even get into the craft beer industry. Holy crap. And we're not, I'm not even getting to the packaging. We're not talking about marketing to kids. I'm not, the, I'm taking that out of it. I'm, we're talking about flavors, right? Yeah. No, I, I see your point. I'm just, I'm leaving this out here for stark relief here on, I, on purpose. I, I, it's just like, I, if I'm hesitating, I just, I don't really buy this. Well, the alcohol industry is doing this. That, that's kind of where I'm, I'm not saying the alcohol industry is driving the right, anti-tobacco yeah, piece. Yeah. I'm saying that is, there is there is an equal to actually seven times greater of an issue in this country. I, I agree. I, I, I I'm not doubting that. I agree. I just don't think that should be the so. Yeah, so, OK, that. so if again, if if we're talking about the health and safety of our children, You're letting you're letting seven times more children to be endangered. I get that point. Yes, I get that point. That's the point. Yeah. I'm not saying the alcohol industry is behind us. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not yeah, conspiracy yeah. theorist over here. Yeah. Talking about numbers. Yeah. Which we again, you. The FDA's own study proved that that number is grossly overestimated. Yeah. No, I agree on that. That part I agree with you on, yeah. If, we beat so if you're going to talk about an issue, talk about the issue. Let's talk about if you want to talk about the health and safety of children, then talk about the health and safety of children. No, that's a fair. That is a fair point. Yes. So. 
I'm, like I said, I'm just going to let that hang out there. Yeah, I think it's a good way. That's a good. That's a good point. And this is water for everyone who's thinking I'm drinking out of a vodka bottle. <laughs> All right, we have hit the four-hour mark. I know you're tired. I'm tired. So I think we. Uh, anything else we want to do before we wrap this up? No, I think we beat the dead horse. But uh, again, um, we'll keep doing it. Yep. And Cigar Aficionado has an open invitation to our show because I'd love to hear their position on this. I think it's. Yep. I think it's important. Agree. Agree. Thank you, PCA. Thank you, CRA. Thank you, CAA. Yep. Thank you, guys. I thank you. Yep. Appreciate that. Make your voice heard. That's, I think, the good way to say it. All right. Wrapping up the show, I'll just make some two quick programming notes. Thursday, uh, we're going to have a 9 p.m. start time. Jeff Borshowitz will be our special guest. Yeah. Time, episode 227. Um, the, uh, barn smokers coming up this weekend. Uh, so you want to check that out. And, uh, next week is the five year anniversary of primetime special edition episode of uh, primetime special edition 121. Bear has put together this, uh, this, this concept. This is, um, going to be a, an incredible show. We're going to have on Pete Johnson and George Brightman. Um, there's a history with these two guys. Uh, George has conducted probably some of the most legendary interviews uh, called the Draper Dialogues featuring Pete Johnson. So there's a, a connection with these two guys. Um, and we're really honored to have both of these guys on the show next week. Um, well, they'll both be in the guest chair. But uh, knowing, knowing George, I'm sure, you know, George is, and George is outstanding. I'm sure he's going to have, you know, I think he'll play. I think I'll have some questions for Pete, I'm sure, too. So, um, that maybe he'll have some questions for us. Yep, I'd like a sure. little, little reversal. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, we had we did two shows with George uh, about a year ago over on uh, primetime. We're gonna bring him over to special edition, and I think it's gonna be a very special five year anniversary show. So, uh, I'm so excited about that one next week. Me, too. So, yeah, it's gonna be very spe- that will be a long show, guys. So, as well. So, um, Get your uh, get your popcorn out on that. It's gonna be a good one. All right, Bear. Anything else before we wrap up? Coop, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, thank you to our audience for staying up late with us. Yeah, what an amazing interview with us. Nick gave us this is our hours tonight. Yeah, he gives a lot. Yeah, of time what? Tonight. How many times have we had Nick on now? Is uh, this our fifth time? Fifth time. He's done two shows with Aaron and I, and I think three shows with us. So um, I think it gets better every time. This was the best. Of, yeah. I mean, we the first one was really good. We did, too, with Aaron and I, um, because we went through. That's the show we go through the whole history of his career. And then really the, the four shows we've done after that, they focus more. You know, we get more into more uh, timely topics. But this one was really good tonight. Um, I really thought this was an, a, a homer. And Nick, Nick gave us a lot of time. And uh, if we didn't get to your questions, apologize. It was just a lot. As you can see, we had a lot to uh, round the cover. And Nick did. So I think it was a fantastic uh, night. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thank you, everybody. That's going to wrap up primetime episode, excuse me, primetime special edition 120 into the annals of history for Tuesday, May 10th. Now, Wednesday, May 11th on the Eastern and Central time zones. We will see everybody next time. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.